0: Let me turn my... Oh, I've already got that turned up. That's that's a good test. There we go. Maybe you can talk one more time and see if I can hear you. Sure. Test. Hello. Okay, good. All right. Sorry to everybody who's uh, not listening now. So <laughs> <For sure. laughs> let's do the um, Pirate Mysterio opening. Oh, you know what? I didn't get my... Did you notice that I had re- ordered a copy of Molly Thompson's uh, uh, From Worlds Afar? record album I have you heard of that
1: no I'm sorry I kind of zoned out there for a second uh no what, what are you talking about
0: there was a woman a British uh I guess uh, later she said she was not a contactee but she kind of did act like one um she sang songs about meeting space brothers and yes. uh in 1966 um This uh, British guru, new agey type, encouraged her and I think maybe even paid for her to go into the studio and record something like 10 or 12 songs uh, on on guitar that she had uh, composed. Cause she, oh, she had had them recorded on a tape, and he he'd take them around to lectures and played hmm. them for people, and everybody loved them. So he said, "Let's get you in the studio." So they did that, and they made a record album out of it. And I found somebody online that had a you know a nice vinyl copy, and I ordered one the other day. It's supposed to get what? here Monday. So, what was her name? Molly Thompson.
1: Hmm. Yeah. No, this does sound familiar, actually.
0: Yeah. Let's see. I Want to see if you can possibly hear this? We're we're just gonna mess around because that's what I do on my show. Um, that's fine with me. Yeah, and then we get we get around to the 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 important stuff and and uh, my brain overheating while I try to answer any questions that you might have for me and understand what you're saying. Um, uh. This is the one everybody knows. I don't know if you can hear. it. Let me turn up the uh, volume a little bit.
1: I'm getting excited, son. and I'm getting excited.
2: There's a cock-eyed feeling in the world today The power politics is here to stay For China, Russia, and the USA Boy, don't let them fool you Take a look at this world of ours Just one blood ball and the sea of stars Now the planet's got no colour bars Because they've got perspective Gangs or Ruskies put men into space But it's all a mad politician's race One-upmanship and a year of grace It makes (laughs) you giggle The population stands and stares While men in capsules explore upstairs While we can't even manage our own affairs Some cheap colonization (laughs) Besides, they got people on Venus and Mars They got lads and lasses, they got Mars and Bars and they got better transport than four wheel cars. Have you ever seen them? Those flying saucers whisking through our skies must take some power to make them rise. But government departments just hide their eyes and call them meteors. With all the lies that they print and shout, the general public has his work cut out, figuring what it's all about. But just you keep on trying. I suppose you know why I'm telling you this So you won't shriek or shake your fist When you discover Martians do exist They're real nice fellas <laughs> I know cause I met one a week ago His ship came down for an hour or so He talked to me but then he had to go Really interested I was Got brothers on Venus and Saturn it seems fly their ships on magnetic beams they wear one-piece suits you can't see any scenes but apart from that they're just like
0: us yeah that's molly thompson
1: that was that was special yeah <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was um that's some good like folk alien alien folk yeah E.T. folk
0: yeah and they ha uh she's got uh 10 or 12 more tracks or 8 or 10 or something like that. Yeah, some of them are space brother things, some of them are you know like and uh uh basically protest peace songs, um, yeah, yeah. philosophical things. Anyway, she she toured she was at the um what was the name of Gabe Green's organization? The uh, the Amalgamated Flying Saucer Clubs of America annual meeting in '67 or '8, and right. she she was hired and flown over here to sit there during lunch and after the con- convention in ten minute segments and play her songs. There you go. <laughs> and I just re- did this researching uh, uh, article I'm writing, and sh- and then. There was a. I guess she was supposed to fly back to England, and there was an air airplane or air, air, aircraft workers strike, and she couldn't. So she stayed right. here for like eight or nine months, just couch surfing at various contactee and ufologist people's houses before she finally made it back to England.
1: And so, where is she now? Is she still alive?
0: Uh, as of. As of four or five years ago, something like that, she was still alive. I do not know now. Andy Roberts, the uh, British um, writer, uh, he discovered uh, he uh, he discovered that she was still alive, I think in 2007 or eight right. or something like that, and interviewed her. And you yeah. can find that article online if you look around a bit. And I, all that information I just told you came from his article. He's the only one that had it in contact with her and asked her all these questions. Got some great quotes out of her. And... Um, and yeah, at that point she was still alive. She must have been in her, you know, eighties or something. Yeah. So I hope she's still around. But wh- who knows? Yeah, that would
1: be. That would be an intense. Uh, that'd be cool to kind of like touch base with her again and see, you know, what she thinks and uh, you know, where yeah. she, you know, does she still have the same opinions about everything?
0: Yeah. Well, she she um she wrote a. I have it too. She wrote a um, letter, not a letter, but there was a somebody posted one of her songs on Mm -hmm. uh, a weird music site for the the station WFMU in um, New Jersey. Um, They posted one of her songs, and she said, um, "Yes, I'm still here and alive and kicking." In 2008, Um, Mm -hmm. uh, somebody asked me the other week, "Week, what are you doing now?" Probably Andy Roberts. Um, she, and she said, somebody had, I had to think about that a little bit, but I came up with a reply. <laughs> the secrecy of my work prevents me from knowing what I am doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's been over 40 years since I wrote and sang those songs about space people. I didn't know what I was doing then either, but I had great fun doing it. I'm sure you guessed by now that I never actually met and spoke with flesh and blood space people in silver suits who had arrived in their vehicles, flying saucers or UFOs. Um, vehicle is the key word here. My songs were the vehicle to carry my thoughts and ideas out into the world. But as far as who wrote them, I'm not telling lies when I said it was not me. Mm-hmm. It's not the me sitting here writing this. Um,
1: uh, some altered state, some altered version yeah, of yeah. Head.
0: The, the whatever it was created the song words and also pushed me gently aside and took over the driving of the vehicle for a while. Then somebody, then someone was junking, jumping back into the driving seat, saying, "Step back! I need let me let me live this life." The old, older I get, the more I hope to see, hope to be more at the wheel, driving the vehicle. Although she is a better driver than I am, Uh have a good life, Molly Thompson. Wow. <laughs> um. Let's see. That's uh, that. That's almost that. We're crawling up on a record of banter of eight eight minutes and forty five seconds. Let me let me play the intro here. Nope. Which you've heard no, the, probably.
3: The whole extraterrestrial thing is not uh, not a viable solution to this.
0: We we need to go f- through a turning point in the study of of this whole domain away from ideology. We're not here to prove that we're being visited by. You know, aliens from this planet or that star—that may very well be true, but we have not done the basic work.
4: I have this hunch that the
0: um, that this that this phenomenon is um, comes from, comes from some sort of domain of pure information, and the fact that they can interact with us at all suggests that uh, that we inhabit a domain that's also pure information.
2: Are we go uh, condition here? BIRDS CHIRP
0: Okay, let me fade that down. <laughs> First question: How do you pronounce your last name?
1: Yeah, sure. It's <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's pronounced Benias. So Benias,
0: like, like a, okay, benias,
1: like the bin i us.
0: Okay. Benias. Yeah. Because yeah. people say b- Benias, Banius. Benia- yeah, ben- uh.
1: yeah. It's all over the place.
0: Yeah, of course it is.
1: It, so yeah. I don't have an easy name. I, I wish I had like a, a, an actor's name, like a movie actor's name, you know? Like they always go with something super easy like Lance or Davey or something. You know what I mean? Just something simple.
0: Well, I, I I'm just going to say MJ throughout the show unless you want me that to makes. use any you know, anything else besides no. that. Okay. That's perfect. Because <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I do not know what the MJ stands for. We've only spoken once. Yes. Um, right before you uh, wrote your piece for um, Terra Obscura. Yes. Uh, Uh, Just to make sure you and actually a couple people asked me about that. And I said he was, you know, we'd never talked before. MJ was extremely polite. He actually sent a message saying, is this what you're saying? Because I want to make sure I don't get it wrong, which most people don't do. In fact, almost nobody does Mm. um, before they quote you or do whatever they're going to do with it. So uh, much appreciated.
1: Uh, no, no problem. I uh, I, you have to be really careful, right? Because the problem is, is the slightest sort of misinterpretation, and suddenly philosophically, the whole damn thing goes out the window. So, right, um, you know, you need to be kind of really specific about what people generally mean about things. Um, so no, it was you were really forthcoming, though. Thanks for providing me with a quote and and kind of, um, directing me. You know, where I kind of, I you know, I I have to be honest. I sort of assumed where it was going. I like, I I kind of was able, I think, to piece together from our conversation over Skype. Um, so the just the touching base was just to clear a few things up. But um, I still have a few more questions, which is great, Like in regards to the theory, or the hypothesis. Okay, yeah,
0: because it, the, when you were asking me these questions, it sounded like you were trying to tear it apart, which is fine, sure. because I want people to do that. Because I don't want to mm-hmm. be sitting there um, typing something up, or even worse, speaking in public about the co-creation yeah. thing, which is what we're talking about at this moment, and have somebody come up with a question, and I go, oh, I don't know, I just never really thought of that. So it's nice to have somebody give me fairly high-level questions about what I'm thinking. Of. makes me think about it in ways that I hadn't thought about it before, and we'll probably do that a little bit tonight, too. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, because uh, it 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 almost worried me because I had to really think about where I was coming from with this, and you know, explore the parts where some somebody asked me something, I say, well, I even haven't, I'm really worked that out yet, or I don't know, you know, yeah. it, it's it takes a long time to get to the point where you you know you've got this whole thing built up, or you're trying to build up some sort of philosophy, and somebody asks you a question, and you say, I don't know, um,
1: you know, and, and that's acceptable. Like it's okay to sort of not not be aware fully if if you haven't really fully developed it, right? Yeah,
4: um, yeah.
1: But, but ultimately, when you really think about what the co-creation hypothesis is sort of attempting to do, it is really trying to bridge the gap, right, that exists between the extraterrestrial hypothesis and just the psychosocial hypothesis. So, you, you know, the two two polar ends and, and two sort of UFO discourse, two uh, hypotheses, I suppose, that um, are really fleshed out. They've been fleshed out since you know UFOs started showing up in culture. Yeah. So, you know, you're you're really entering um uh, a battle here between two sort of very ancient foes uh with a new potentially a new idea. At least in in UFO discourse like yeah. philosophically. Oh, I don't it's think it's new at
0: all. I just no, i just no I'm bringing up ideas that other people have had before and then just trying to Push them a little bit further and see and and do these things for myself. I'm sure you do the yeah. same thing in your writing. It's like, let's take a few ideas and throw them around a little bit, see what sure. I come up with. And if I don't come up with an answer, at least I've got I've got you know some of the ideas pushed a little bit further, which you know I can build on or others can build on, or I can build on with other people or whatever. And that'll be great because I'm I'm not looking to, you know, myself, I don't know about you, but I'm not looking to, you know, it's like I'm this person's gonna change you follow. You. I'm not. I'm right. not. If if I do, it's going to be completely by accident. <laughs> um, right. I, you're just trying to find th- things out for yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: and and I and I think that um yeah, no, like like you said, right? Like this idea of co-creation has has sort of been thrown around sort of for a while. But I don't think anyone's really sat down and said, "Okay, you know, this is potentially what's going on and I'm really going to flush it out so that we have a decent Uh, understanding of of the hypothesis itself like everyone kind of understands what we mean when we when we talk about like the psychosocial hypothesis we all kind of understand you know it's just humans coming up with brand new mythologies and and uh, you know people used to believe in you know fairies and, and werewolves and vampires and they don't anymore now they believe in aliens um so you know there's that, that homework's already been done. Everyone kind of knows that side and then everyone knows the other side, right? Everyone kind of has understood, or at least not understands rather, but everyone kind of has in their own minds thrown around the idea of extraterrestrials um, zooming around in, in spaceships. Um, So I think that, you know, like you said, these, these two concepts have been sort of thoroughly flushed out and now trying to introduce this, this new player to the game uh, that's as flushed out um, and as sort of, you know, A leads to B, B leads to C. Um, it, it's it's a, it's a bit of a battle, but it's okay to not sort of have everything organized and set up immediately because, you know, I don't think anyone does. Um,
0: yeah, well, I kind of wanted to get it out. We won't get to our questions here, but I kind of okay. wanted to get it out, you know, kick it out there and have people start taking pot shots so that I could develop a little bit more. And the first talk I gave on it was, you know, I I think was a lot less coherent than it is now and in, in another six months or a year I hope it'll be more coherent than it is now or um, I will discard it or um, it will become even more coherent and, and, and you know I will continue I, I kind of want to do a uh, take all these things that we're talking about here and your ideas and other people's ideas pull it into uh, what I think might be going on or some good questions and make another book out of it make, make, make an actual book about you know the, this this uh, middle way, which I didn't really think I was really think about. I was doing till you mentioned that about you know five minutes ago, where you're taking these two different uh, the psychosocial and the um, basically the nuts and bolts ETH and trying to run a middle path between them and and borrow from each to say, you know, to figure out what might be going on here and focus more on yeah. the witness and uh, co- human cognition and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, there's, there's I, I, very deep philosophical questions in there that uh, a lot of people have dealt with before me, and I'm still running into them.
1: Oh, for sure. And and, I, and you know, there's also deep philosophical questions in the ETH and and the psychosocial that that you know are are I suppose beneficial to those sides of the arguments, but they're also problematic. I mean, there's a lot of um, moments or incidents or events in UFO discourse that I would say counter both of them, right? Um, yeah. You know, where the ETH under certain circumstances doesn't make sense um, and psychosocial doesn't make sense sometimes. So, you know, perhaps this middle ground, right, is, is kind of where we need to tread a little more because, you know, I think it the co-creation definitely fills a few of the loopholes that exist within the UFO discourse um, that, you know, ETH and, and I guess the PSH uh, doesn't. Um, what's
0: PSH? PSH?
1: I guess that'd be psychosocial. Oh, okay, okay, right? okay. PSH, oh, know. right, right, okay,
0: because you said ETH and PSH. Yeah, psychosocial. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know, I'm just trying to make things, you know, I'm trying to create acronyms. Yes, so I know. Com- uh, conversation yeah. goes quick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. I, I had, uh, what's it, Robert Schaefer did a review of, of my talk, and he said, this is just a rehash of the psychosocial hypothesis, and there's really nothing else going on here. Yeah. And I thought, that is exactly not what I'm doing.
1: You know, yeah. And you know what? It's so funny. I read that review. That was of the review of the International of the Congress, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually what what made me write my last article. I read that review, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, he, so I was going through and I mean, I'm scrolling through. You know, I got a lot of friends who are talking and, and giving lectures. So I was scrolling through reading sort of all the reviews that he wrote. And, and you know, it, it's really funny because it inspired me. So I, I sort of consider Robert like a necessary evil, right? Like, you know. In order to have good in the world, you must have evil, right? And vice versa.
0: Or at least so. somebody out there who every once in a while says something that is relevant. I mean, it's kind of like Phil. Everybody hates Phil Class. I don't like him either. I thought I think yeah. he was a horrible person. However, stopped clock or whatever. Once in a while, he makes a good point. What, what's that guy's name? Um, uh, 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 oh, who's the other one at PsyCOP? Uh, Joe Nikel. He's the one that said that the Kelly Hopkinsville um, case was owls. Right, Absolutely yeah. the stupidest thing I've ever heard. However, yeah. he also um, – he, he, people said nobody could have made the Nazca lines um, without right. some kind of you know, help from extraterrestrials or something. He went out in a field, took a little drawing he made, put posts in the ground, um, and made yeah. basically one that was about half the size of the one or three-quarters, a pretty big one, of the bird glyph that's in the Nazca yeah. lines to prove look I just used pieces of string and posts in the ground and I could do this so I don't think you need aliens telling you how to yeah. do this and he's absolutely right I totally agreed with him um, yeah. but the Kelly Hopkinsville thing it's just like why did you even bother saying that but you know like I said you have to listen because every once in a while they'll they'll make a pretty good point
1: right and and in regards to Schaefer I don't actually think he made a good point but I think I think his point pissed me off enough that I was like <laughs> well I should probably write something you know what I mean like Cause I was like, he, either he, he, he didn't actually show up to your lecture or he was half listening or, you know what I mean? Or he was like checking his Instagram or something while, while it was happening. Cause I, I I've, I like, I've heard about the co-creation hypothesis before I've talked to Ryan Sprague about it a couple times and he sort of filled me in, in pieces of it. And then that's when I sort of touched base with you because he, he definitely directed me to you and was like, this was your baby, or at least, you know, you're the one who's, who's starting to piece it together a little bit more. And so I decided to, you know, I reached out to you and sent you a couple messages and, you know, the rest is history. But yeah. it was very much, no, I, it's, it's not the PSH with like some, whatever he said, Jacques Vallée throwing in or something. Or yeah. Maybe well, I,
0: I don't know if it's just because he can't grasp it or he didn't want to or what the normal thing is that people listen to something. They listen through their filters and they don't realize they're listening through their filters. So they hear what they want to hear. Everybody yeah. does that. I do that. Of course. So I I try to guard against it, but I I, I know I do it. So mm-hmm. anyway, so I you know I, I read the thing because he did it in three parts, and I was waiting for him to get to my part, and then I read it, and it's like, well, there's nothing here I can work with because he didn't understand what I was talking about. So whatever.
1: Yeah. It was yeah. also pretty short. Like it was just. Yeah, it was like a couple sentences. Yeah.
0: I mean, he has no bone to pick with me because it doesn't. I am not making a claim that uh, that sounds insane. I am just making i am just making weird babbling noises. Uh, as far as he's yeah. concerned, I guess that don't really that aren't really relevant or can't be picked at because I am not. Like I said, I am not making a claim. I am not making a claim about anything, really, yeah. except that the human mind is a lot um, uh, is a lot uh, more involved in the process of what we call the UFO thing than most people want to care to admit. Because they just say, "Oh, it's a, you know, it's like a video recorder," and then we take that information, and it's like, "No, no, no let's let's look and find out why the th- the mind is not a recorder of anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It is a it is an aggregator of information. Maybe, maybe anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it generates reality.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, and I got to the point at the end of the talk, and we can talk about this too. But that. Uh, uh, so anybody listening now, I'm not trying to make this a talk about what I, about my thing. But um, it's it's a it's uh, turning
1: into that though. Everyone, I'm just showing yeah. <laughs> um, The the
0: the point is to to raise questions and see where those questions lead us. Not to provide an answer. Just saying, look, you know, look at this thing over here that we've ignored for so long. We we uh, we can't ignore that. And if we don't ignore that, where does that leave us? Where does you know what what, what stimulus? Um, causes all of our cognition and everything and all of our imperfect uh, ways of remembering and, and telling a story and, and, and surviving a traumatic event and all that, What if you put all that into the mix or indeed try and take it out, what is left? What causes UFO reports? That, that's, my, that's my basic question now, not, not what right. where do they come from in it. What causes a UFO report? And that's a really, to me, that's a as far as I can make it a basic question, that's the basic question.
1: Yeah, I would say that you'd still have to work backwards a little bit to to try and figure out um you know potentially what what and you and you use the word stimulus and I would probably say it's more stimuli because I don't think it's one thing. Right, right, right. You know, but ultimately you're dealing with, you know, what is at at the root of of the stimulus, right? Like what is essentially um generating sort of the 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 alternate or, or forged or or fake reality that that the mind makes up to compensate for dealing with sort of an intelligence that isn't from around here, right? Um, in my in my most recent post on Terra Obscura, I sort of posited like you know, this non human intelligence that shows up that's so alien that the human mind cannot interpret it in any way, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you know, can the human mind? So the the basic question is, can the human mind? Is the human mind able to interpret all things, right, in some objective in, in some objective sense, or mm-hmm. is it not, right? Is it that there's going to be things where the human mind is impo- is, is unable to interpret, therefore has to um, sort of retreat into some, I guess, compa- compartment of itself to to generate a reality that it can work with, right? Um, mm-hmm. So when it, you know, if somebody sees a non-human intelligence or interacts with a non-human human intelligence, as per co-creation. The, the person doesn't walk out of that experience remembering objectively what that non-human intelligence is, was, looks like, what the experience was, whatever. They create in their own mind an altered state, an altered reality, right? So they see grace or they were abducted and there were needles shoved into them or there were hybrid babies or, or whatever, you know, narrative comes out of it. That that event in actuality did not occur. It's just the human mind. um, um generating uh, a sensical interpretation of a much more alien event
0: yeah well to uh, go ahead no please well to be fair i think something happened to somebody i don't know what that mm-hmm. thing is and it's i give i bring up the donald hoffman thing where uh your visual system and and your memory system is like a computer desktop that right you you'll have a a um folder that has all your files in it now that the folder in the files is not the folder in the files it 's a representation of it um right. it and it doesn 't look anything like the electronics and the and the and the circuit boards and and the memory and the hard drives and all that stuff right. that it's storing that however it it represents it in a very you know neat and usable way that's usable for you um of course yeah yeah and if you throw it away you 've thrown away all your work so there's very there's a very real world uh, uh there's a very real-world uh, effect of it, but generally, you're dealing with a thing that is a representation of that thing. So, I right. kind of want to know: is what is it representing, and can we even figure out what is it rep- what, what it's representing?
1: Like what the like, let's say the 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 forge the forged the forged memory, what what that's representing. Like, so can yeah. you actually? So, is there an objective way to understand? Yeah, the non- is
0: is the there at all? At work? I don't. I don't know if there is because it goes into other questions. Because people are saying, "If it makes things, you know, what about scientific discoveries and all that?" Well, according to what I'm looking at, scientific discoveries go along the lines of we have a theory about something, and one of the theories might be close to the model of what the thing is, and therefore. That model becomes what we, you know, becomes what we find out about it. And if I took, if I talked to a credentialed, um, you know, uh, uh, degreed scientist, they'd probably get really pissed off at me about saying that. But if I talk to possibly a, you know, a philosopher or maybe even somebody that was into information theory or quantum physics, maybe not so much.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we have to think just, just because we can make a plane fly, for example, right? You know, people often say, you know, science science can make a plane fly. Yeah, and, that, and that's true. However, the interpretation of the plane itself, right, uh, the, the metal it's made out of, the, the, the comfy seats, the pretzels, um, the fact that you're in the air, right, this is all still being filtered through um, your mind, which is made up of, of, of um, trillions of, of dendritic connections with with neurons flying across them at any given moment. Um, and not only that, you, you still have to interpret all of these things via the self, right? I have to sit there and I have to look at the metal of the airplane. I have to look at the seat. I have to look at the fact that I'm at 37,000 feet. Um, and it's still has to be interpreted through something, right? Science does not exist in a vacuum, right? Like, the planes flying do not exist in a vacuum. They exist because people interact um, with uh, the, the objects that make the plane fly, or, or the physics that make the plane fly. Um, so are we are we saying then that without humans um, uh, to be there, you know, are, are planes still planes and is flying still flying? That's kind of the big question. Yeah.
0: Well, it goes um, back to the tree in the forest thing, too. So.
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Philosophy 101.
0: Yeah. What is your but, background? Is it is it philosophy? Because I read your stuff hmm. and I feel I figure you have some sort of philo- philosophy degree, but I could be completely wrong.
1: No, actually, yeah, my my degree is in critical theory, which is um, cultural philosophy. So ah. my specialty is more in in dealing with the the philosophy of um, like society and culture. So um, whether it's politics or, or whether it's popular culture or or media or whatever, that's sort of where my background is. Um, I do have I do have some philosophy. Like I, I have a minor, basically, in philosophy, like philosophy proper, yes. studying, you know the the actual you know what we would say sort of proper western philosophies um but yeah my my degree is in is in critical theory um, oh okay so there is they they link together though generally um, right
0: because i read your stuff and that's the, that's where i see that you're coming from and you're a lot closer to your degree um well probably a lot closer than me because i'm what 30 years removed from my degree but um you know, I saw that written all. Over, I see that written all over what you're. What, now that you say that to me, that makes complete total sense in in uh, the way that you approach the UFO subject. Not as a not as somebody who wants to perform experiments or gather data or whatever, but somebody looking at what are the ideas behind this. Why? How do we think about what we think about, and where are the errors? Um, yeah. And- where are the errors in uh, 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 what's the word? Where are the errors in um, the assumptions that we make?
1: Yeah, and I think that's the big—that's the the, the the big question here. And, and I think this is something that, I, that I've sort of referred to a few times in my blog. But ultimately, there's there's tons of of people in the UFO field who apply scientific or are attempting to apply scientific method to the UFO phenomenon, whether they're investigators or, or whether they you know log. Um, you know, UFO sightings or, or, or whatever. Um, but there's not a lot of people doing sort of philosophy or critical theory or, or, or a cultural study of the UFO question um, within, from within the UFO discourse. I, there's a lot of there's a lot of people who look at the UFO discourse from outside of it, right? Like critics mm-hmm. from the outside who write, you know, for vice or whatever, and, and they'll take, you know, shots at the UFO people or whatever, just like they always have, right? Yeah. The sort of. They're 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 much more friendly to a pop culture atmosphere, much friendly to a pop culture sort of audience, and they're looking at um, the subculture of UFOs from without. Whereas in you know I'm I, I want to, I'm very integrated into the UFO subculture. Um, I purposely became a MUFON field investigator, so I am integrated into the right. in the subculture. Right, like I, I definitely want to be dealing with. Uh, people and i do deal with people on a regular basis who report ufos and and whatever because i i think that um from within the ufo field there needs to be people with with um a philosophical approach because you're right i think we do definitely need to question where a lot of the current beliefs uh the current assumptions that exist within the ufo discourse where they come from and why do people have them Um, and and you know, I don't have an answer yet because, uh, you know, this is sort of a relatively, well, it's only a couple of years. But I don't think I'm never going to have an answer. I, I have probably realized that. But
0: uh, <laughs> well, this is probably uh, why we're talking. It's one of those. Yeah, that's a basic thing. If you're looking for an answer, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry, because if you're looking for an answer for and you me. can't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you're looking for an answer and you can't find it and you really want one, you're going to settle on one and just keep that one. Exactly, uh, and, that, and, and then you but, stop questioning
1: and that happens, though, all the time. I mean, you look at a lot of the, the I guess, the voices, especially some of the major voices in, in UFO discourse. A lot of them have settled on a theory or an idea, and that's that. And and any um, any contradiction to that theory either didn't happen or... Um, it, you know, they attack you immediately for 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 thinking something else, right? I mean, I have to be honest. After I wrote this article on co creation, I like was that was
0: that was going to be my next question. Like, well, how have yeah. you been attacked? In what ways? And how? Well, what did people say?
1: I mean, you know, I use the term attacked loosely, like not
0: attack, but anything. just just, yeah, uh, uh, just criticism.
1: Yeah, I think the 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 most common one that I received and is is again from the the nuts and bolts, sort of hardcore nuts and bolts. um Sort of believers, because it is a belief. Um, yeah. Who who sort of say, you know, I, this is this is silly. You know, why can't it just be, you know, an advanced alien species from another planet, right? And that was sort of the direct right. response. Right? Yeah. It, it,
0: it, we've we've all heard it hundreds of times.
1: It's just aliens, right? It's yeah. just aliens. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you know, it doesn't have to be anything more than that, right? As if that's as if that's if that's is that, that like that's the logical answer apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's just aliens. Um, so it couldn't be anything
0: else. Like it... I think
1: that's the biggest criticism because people you know don't necessarily want to have that idea challenged. And I have to be honest, it's a very well established idea. Like the extraterrestrial hypothesis is so well-established, and it's so embedded culturally, it, it's almost like we don't want to let go of it, right? We don't want to shed it, because most of us, and again, you know, I'm speaking in generalities here, but the vast majority of people, I think, in UFO discourse grew up watching sci-fi. You know, we all love Star Trek, and, 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 and we all love the X-Files, you know, and, it, and that all hinged upon this idea that there is some intelligent species out there that just wants to make contact with us, right. because, because we're special, right? Because we are humans and and that's, that's unique for some reason. And, and, you know, we're special allegedly, um, <laughs> apart from hubris, that's, that's, uh, in, that's, yeah, well that was,
0: it. I was thinking one of your talk, uh, your, your essays at Atlas was actually the, almost the opposite way thing that humans are not special. And so we I, have to look to these advanced, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. And, and I do posit that like that, that's one of my big criticisms of the disclosure movement itself. Right. But, um, that's right. It was um, yeah. the
0: disclosure article, or at least it was partly yeah. in there.
1: I think, I think the extraterrestrial hypothesis really hinges upon this idea of hubris, right? Why? Why would an advanced let, – let's assume there is one. Let's assume there's an advanced alien species out there. And they're like you and I. They're, you know, they're made out of meat, and they fly in, in, in metal ships or whatever, and they just have advanced technology. That's like super magical to us, but they're yeah,
0: advanced. Right.
1: Um, you know, why, would they, why would they even pay attention to us? Like why are we interesting, right? What is it about us? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think there's a bit of hubris required, right? We sort of have to sit there and be like, well, we must be right. We must be special, you know, like church lady, right? From SNL, right? Yes. <laughs> we, we must be special, right? And I, I, there's never an answer. Like they, I'm not sure if they can necessarily provide like, well, we're special because it's like, well, you know, not really. I mean, you know, there's about 7 billion sort of monkeys running around on a planet and we tend to kill each other more than we hug it out and you know like we're, we're not exactly sort of you know this amazing group i don't know like maybe i'm just being cynical here but
0: well i can think of a complete a whole bunch of uncynical arguments about it uh, but um your yeah. argument is well well considered you know the uncynical argument is because they want some kind of uh, connection with something else they found that maybe is rare in the universe and um You know, that that's the normal answer for it. And I I was thinking, but so many times over and over. I don't I don't understand that. Um, How many times you need to say hi to somebody? So I don't you know, that that's that that's level one, you know?
1: Yeah, and warn us that we're, you know, polluting the planet too much. Like, okay, like you keep telling us we get it, you know? Now, now, go away. No, uh, I'm just
0: joking. Um, uh, obviously, we're not listening. So, you know, any, any intelligent species would have said, well, hell with you then. You're not even yeah, exactly. listening. exactly.
1: Like, this is frustrating. Like, kind of, like, I think technically they're insane, right? Because they're, they're doing the same thing expecting a different result over and over yeah. again. Right? So, so I have to be honest. I don't think we're dealing with an advanced species. I think we're dealing with literally the craziest species on, in the known universe who just keeps showing up here being like, by the way, you're ruining the planet. By the way, you're ruining the planet. By the way, you're ruining the planet.
0: They have infinite yeah. patience, man. You have to realize Maybe. that.
1: Yeah. So the biggest criticism has been definitely from the nuts and bolts guys, who 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 are kind of looking at my this idea and and some of my other work, um, and and are very much um, sort of in opposition to it. I have to be honest. I get a lot of love from the the other side, like the the more mystical UFO people, right? Like the. The ultra terrestrials right they're from different dimensions and and they're here because they love us and and we just all need to hug it out like that side of the ufo group Mm -hmm. i don't know i they they, they're pretty quiet or they send me cosmic love all the time like you know i'll get like a little you know post on my instagram feed being like you know you are beautiful or something i'm like sweet thank you guys (laughs) thank you the alien hybrids are sending me cosmic love so yeah, because
0: you're not you're you're not cutting down the thing. You're saying, look, if we look at this a little deeper, and it's deeper, dude. You know, yeah. Um, what what do we see here? And I think the people that are sending you that cosmic look, both sides of this are not. I think they're not particularly digging into exactly what you're saying. I mean, I don't even know if I am, but a little bit yeah. deeper, exactly what you're saying and what, you know, the, the very basic concepts you're getting down to about um, who are we, how do we think about things? How do we, th- how does we think about, how do, how do the way we think about things affect how we deal with them? And, right. you know, are we in an echo chamber, et cetera, et cetera. I see all these things in, in your writing, which is what attracts me.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, yeah. And I have to be honest, like, I, I don't necessarily buy into the mystical aspects either. I, I just, um, I just think that both sides um, definitely struggle with filling in sort of the the gaps in the phenomenon. Like you know, ETH definitely doesn't have the answers. Um, and and simply you know suggesting I think I think this philosophy thing is stupid. I th- it's just aliens from another planet. You know, you're not really having an, a, a conversation with me at that point. <laughs> you're just sort of yeah. reapplying your belief system and and, yeah, and exactly. just refusing to to engage in in a potential conversation about. Um, Something that definitely has philosophical, um, you know, underpinnings to it. And and the UFO phenomenon does have philosophical underpinnings to it, significant ones. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that, oh, yeah. You, you that's can talk a long about,
0: way. Yeah, you, talk, you can talk about building a house that has some phil- philosophical underpinnings to it or fixing your plumbing. Yeah. And then you move into other things, like you know you get into why are we here and uh you know of course, and then what was that light, and what did that person see and that becomes you're moving way up there up or down the spectrum of look, we really got to you know figure out what the what the consensus reality is here because if I hit my ha- ham thumb w- uh, with a hammer that's going to have a very immediate um almost non-philosophical answer but if i see something strange on a road at night that tries to take me in its ship or what appears to be a ship and that raises far more questions i think because i can hit my anybody can hit their ha- head uh thumb with a hammer but almost nobody can get picked up in the road in the middle of the right. night by apparent aliens so it right. behooves us i think to talk about these things because it's enters an area that is not so yeah you know what they're talking about Hitting your thumb with a hammer in in a way that where the spectrum is a lot wider,
1: I, I believe. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think more than that, there's and, and you know what, I have to be honest, like I've been really on this uh, uh, kick with really the, the the deep philosophical questions of like the metaphysical and and on like the epistemological questions of, of of UFOs. And I and I started off with a little more of the of the simple stuff in the sense of like what are the ethical what are the ethical ramifications of uh, an alien picking you up while you're driving down the highway, like there there's definitely ethical <laughs> issues here, right, yeah, um, but
0: there are ethics,
1: yeah, and there they are our ethics, but we're the ones being picked up, you <laughs> know what I mean um, <laughs> yeah, exactly, so what else know, what we're, other we're,
0: ethics we're, are you going to apply,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, like yeah, great, the aliens have ethics, but you know, like I'm the one who's getting beamed and and probed right now, like you know, it's, screw your ethics, I'm the one who's very uncomfortable at this moment, yeah, um, so I, I think there's there's a lot of other potential philosophical philosophical questions that we need to deal with in in ufo discourse um that just go beyond the the metaphysical aspects but like the ethical considerations um when you know uh, when, when a ufo buzzes an airplane or something you know what i mean or or um uh like one that happened recently in canada over um i think it was lake erie or Lake superior right there uh uh a flight had to get diverted because there was something in the way, right? And, and apparently they said it was a drone or something, which was in the middle of this massive lake, which doesn't make sense. But doesn't matter, right. um, you know. Or, or you look at you know the 2007 um, Alderney case out of the UK, right, where you have a passenger plane island hopping basically, and and suddenly two sort of massive objects show up in its way. I mean, this there's massive ethical issues here in the sense that you know you have um, objects coming near you know, planes full of passengers, um, or even just beaming you up uh, on the side of the highway. I mean, you know, we while we might be nothing like, you know, technologically, even in via intelligence to these others, whatever they are, yeah. we still have agency, right? Like we still have free thought and we still walk around this planet saying like, I think I exist, therefore I do. Um, <laughs> you know, they, you know, how? What gives them the right, for example, to violate our, our ethical laws or our morals? Um, like, what gives them the higher authority to do so, right? Does, does Do we then assume then in the universe, might makes right? Yeah. Um, which is, again, a big philosophical question. Um, so, yeah, listen, to make a long story short, I, I think there's very few people within the UFO community doing philosophy about UFOs. So I want to try and fill that gap a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're you're one of the very few. So, and, uh, you're, uh, uh, we're not going to talk about the essays in the, um, UFOs reframing the debate book because it, we're not supposed to talk about that until the book comes out. All right. So Mark's the word, yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, Oh, th- here's a real basic question. You, uh, wh- why did you join MUFON and why did, you know, what, what, what was the interest did you have this interest before you went and got your um critical studies degree or is yeah, it just something sure. that you're trying to yeah. go ahead
1: Yeah yeah I've I've always been interested in in sort of UFOs and aliens. I mean, I grew up watching, you know, X-Files and Star Trek and and um the, we had the uh, in Canada. Well, I'm a Canadian, so yeah. we had the outer outer limits uh which was this great like 90s, late 80s, 90s um It was almost like the twilight zone right each each episode was yeah. it
0: was a reboot of the outer limits from the 60s yeah
1: exactly and it was it was
0: which scared me when i was a kid
1: yeah the yeah and i never i have to be honest i never really i I never had the opportunity to see the the 60s version we had like the reboot right the 90s version when i was growing up yeah Um, and um for some reason my dad let me watch it which you know Probably is the reason why i 'm here now, but um, <laughs> it, you know it, it really it really freaked me out, and it really made me question, you know are we alone in the universe I mean, so, and i think that 's how everyone kind of starts their journey down the uFOs or down into uFOs um, and then I have to be honest, I just kind of got into it, and I decided that you know I wanted to to kind of dig into it a little more, I wanted to see if there was anything more to the ufo question beyond just what you see in you know tv shows on history channel or discovery or nat geo or whatever so i decided to join mufon um and i and i know chris Redkowski Rat- quite well um oh okay he's a ufo guy yeah and uh, so we started chatting and and you're gonna just have kind chris of, on
0: sometime too
1: yeah and it just kind of took off from there so that's my that's my background that's how i got into it i've, I've actually never had a, a sighting i've never had an anomalous experience like i've never never been abducted as far as i know um <laughs> you know like i i've i've never ever had an experience where i would say wow that was weird like f- to the point beyond of just what normal people experience as weird things you know right like you're driving down the street and like a street light goes off you know that happens all the time right um you know, so you have these weird experiences, but ultimately, never
0: nothing, uh, nothing kind of um, mind blowing, world changing, no, life. Yeah. You know, no, I've
1: never, I've never seen a light in the sky that I couldn't be like, yeah, that's a planet, or that's a the ISS, or you know, right, right. Um, so yeah, I just kind of got into it, and then Mufon has really been actually—it's—it's it's been interesting. I have a love-hate relationship with Mufon. I right
0: was going to ask you about Mufon. I was like, what? What do they think when you? you know, do you follow their rules, or do you? It's like, what the hell kind of questions is this to ask people? That kind of thing. Do, you, what? What kind of um, discussions yeah. do you have with them, or with their with philosophy? MUFON? I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because it's interesting. I joined it way back, you know, sometime in the late '80s, mid to late '80s, and. Even then, I was just kind of like, uh, I don't think I want to do it this way. you know. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I had little patience for them even then. Even, even though I was basically right in the middle of their kind of philosophy, I still, for some reason, just didn't particularly – didn't click with me going out and asking people, what kind of alien did you see? Because I figured yeah, – I'd been well, le- reading Valet and Kiel and all that since I was, was a kid.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, <clears throat> MUFON – especially recently uh and you know what I, you know it doesn't really matter right i'm a volunteer right so you know what screw it i'll say whatever the hell i want um the um the move on has become uh have you seen the film office space
0: did i yes yes right. Is it the uh who took my stapler that one
1: that one Yes. yes so yes
0: yes it's burning the down the. Where, yes yes i saw it years yeah. ago but yeah.
1: yeah yeah so there's the scene where where um he he submits some sort of file and his and his like his boss asks him, Did he put the cover sheet? Like you have to put the cover sheet on the TPS reports now or whatever it is, right? It's a yeah. famous moment. So yeah. people keep giving him the damn memo about putting the cover sheet on the damn TPS report. And MUFON has very much become this like everything <laughs> has forms, right? Like there's a form for everything. Yeah. And you have to fill out these different forms for different things depending on whether it's a category one or a cat like and there's so much paperwork that I'm sitting here being like, okay, I understand, I guess, why they want all of this paperwork. You know what I mean? I I, I understand. Doesn't mean I have to like it though. Yeah.
0: And, One, I don't and, have to like it, and two, yeah, go ahead.
1: And and not only that, like you said, right, there's all these like MUFON for an organization that claims to study UFOs scientifically makes a lot of assumptions uh, in regards to like like there's a question on their test about grace. You're like, really? We're a scientific organization, and we're talking about grace to people, yeah. um, or or the reptilians, or you know, whatever. Um, so uh, I, I, you're right.
0: There I, are I, five see. types of aliens. Could you please point to the one that you saw?
1: Yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, like some of the funniest things. Like you look at some of the, some of the sheets that they have, like some of the forms that they have, like in regards to. Uh, like the clothing the alien was wearing. Yes, right? I have There's, some of those
0: sheets from the late 80s when I was
1: in there. Yeah, and it's like, you know, cloak is an option, you know? And and I understand. <laughs> <laughs> like people see aliens wearing cloaks, and I get that. But it's, it's just funny when you're sitting there being like, okay, did it have some sort of insignia or, album or uh, emblem yeah. on its cloak? Was the cloak hooded? was it gray was it bl- like, you're sitting here being like come on this is kind of ridiculous
0: yeah well um, it's ridiculous oh. one cuz it's ridiculous and two it's like what wait a second yeah, yeah. that so person I'm, may not have seen any of that stuff and now they have
1: yes 100% oh yeah and and definitely the questions do lead people sometimes so
0: they say um, they're not doing it but i'm pretty sure until the you know and mufon is either gone or completely changed it that's the way it's going to be
1: um, yeah, and and they're yeah, like they have like an experiencer. It's been around for a while now, but they have like an experiencer group, I guess, like a team who are who specialize in experiencer cases. Um, so again, right, we're we're kind of going down a certain path here, right, as as an organization, and and ultimately after this interview, I I half expect to get an angry email from. You know, my superior officer, whoever that is.
0: Um not, They don't listen to this show. They just don't.
1: And, and you know what? It's fine. You know, I'll I'll stick with Mufon until they fire me or unvolunteer me. But
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> well, okay. With your point of view and going out and doing this and talking to people, you know, how do you feel about it? I mean, do you do you do exactly what they ask you to do, or do you kind of say, you know, wait for people to say what they're going to say? Because right. I don't know you. We haven't talked too much, but um, for a while I've been saying, why don't we just go out and ask people what happened and just let them go?
1: Oh, for sure. And you know what? I definitely do that. I I definitely sort of just tell me your story, right? Because I think ultimately the vast majority of, of MUFON cases, the vast majority are just tell me your story. I will record it in some way and then I will post it as this is your story, right? Because the vast majority of cases, you know, are are very difficult to investigate, um, unless they're like lights in the sky, right? You know, you see lights in the sky, you can, you know, you go on all the flight tracker and, you you know, you track the International Space Station, you go on Stellarium, you figure out where the, you know, various astral bodies are, and you, you just sort it out. And then you tell them, well, okay, you know, you saw a plane or you saw Venus. Th- that's, that. I don't count that. I mean, like, th- the actual cases where people have a close encounter, let's say, right? right. Of an object or, right. or a being or, or whatever, right? 500 feet or less or whatever the, the right. number is yeah um you know th- at that point you're really dealing with stories right if somebody says listen i, I was I, you know i parked my car and i looked up at the sky and there was a ship and it was at the tree line and it was really low right like it was 30 40 80 feet away from me looking mm-hmm. up yeah like well okay there's nothing that's going to track that you know what I mean? There's no, like, no, like, flight tracker is going to be like, oh shit, this plane lost like altitude that fast, and now it's
0: yeah, exactly. That that right that point. that's not relevant at that point.
1: Yeah, at, at that point, that would be in the news, right? Um, so, you know, this person that tells me a story that they saw a black triangle, you know, and it was 80 feet above them, you know, that's it. They it was close enough that they really threw a rock, like, to save their life, they could hit it, and um. You're going, okay, well, you know, you clearly, you know, there's no video, there's no photographs, there's nothing. You're just telling me a story. And this is, this is MUFON. This is what MUFON deals with. But what do I, you know, is that an unknown because of one person's story on the side of a highway? I don't think so, right? Do I put it just as information? Do I, you know? So, you know, there's this, there's this big hurdle we have to jump through. And I think that depending on who you are as a MUFON field investigator, some people will be like, yeah, like they, I'm, they, they're telling me the truth they saw a black triangle i'm going to market it as an unknown and you're like okay but you have no evidence to support the fact that it's an unknown you just have a story um you if know? it's
0: not if it's not an unknown then what, what 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 uh category do you put it in
1: for me personally i'd probably put it as information
0: right exactly
1: because it's a story I, yeah. I mean you know if i'm here my job is to scientifically to attempt si- attempt to scientifically prove uh or disprove um yeah, that, because that, unknown is
0: yeah, unknown has come has has turned into this um, yeah uh, uh, laden word.
1: Yeah, oh, and especially in Mufon, right? Unknown is unknown means, in
0: it, it means why we're here.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does, and and you know, like Mufon officially will say, like in in the field investigator book, or Mufon will sort of officially say on its website, you know, we understand that of the all of the unknowns, really, it's a solid three percent that are you know actually unknowns, right? right? To which you're like, "Okay, but every time a, a news post gets put up on Open Minds or whatever via Mufon, it's like unknown this guy saw something. He has no evidence to back it up. You know, there's no proof or disproof, it's just a story. Yet it's still posted and it's still discussed as if it's an actual unknown from the some other planet, you right? Some otherworldly unknown. And you're right. just it's it, you you really struggle um with with this sort of ideology that exists within mufon. Um and I think it's also the people who make up mufon, right? I I you know, great there's a ton of great field investigators out there like who who put in the time and the effort. But there's a lot of others who just believe in aliens. Um 100% lock stock and barrel because they personally had a sighting. And you can't blame them for that. But they will basically say anything that is possibly, you know, a strange story automatically gets logged as unknown. So, what does that mean? What does that do for for MUFON? What does that do for the field as a whole? What does that do for UFO discourse? If if no one's checking,
0: yeah, it turns it into an echo chamber. It sure does. So, you know, what is, you know, how do you think that that this testimony should be gathered? Because I really like that you just said I didn't call. I'm not calling it known or unknown. I'm calling it information.
4: Yeah. If you went to
0: Mufon and said we're just going to call this information, they're going to say, "But, but how? You know, we've got to categorize it somehow."
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm from Canada though, so Mufon doesn't pay attention to the Canadian. <laughs> 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 you know, like they're like, "Yeah, it's not in California. No one gives a shit." Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I have to be honest. I, I'm going to be totally honest. I don't know how to fix Mufon. I don't know how to fix the sighting reports i don't know oh it's not going to be fixed yeah because i have to be honest one that's not my wheelhouse like i'm not a statistician i'm not a scientist um i'm i'm doing the the field investigating one because i'm interested um two it gets me talking with people who have had a, a sighting right which is something which is which is this interesting um, it's this interesting thing that exists within UFO discourse, right? There's, there's the people who've never had a setting and there's the people who have, and a lot of times the people who have almost, um, I don't know, like they, it's like, it's like they carry more sway perhaps in their, in the way they, they talk about UFOs, right? They, it's like, cause they they're in the know, right? This idea that they're in the know, they've seen something, right? They've
0: you mean, you mean people in, in move
1: no, I just mean people in UFO discourse as a whole.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: Overall, there's, there's the, the separation, right? There's the people who have yeah. had a sighting and the people who have. Right. Um, and and um, I, I think for the people who have never had a sighting, people like myself, I can't view the world – from someone who has had a, from like someone who has had a sighting, right? I can't right, see it right. the because they've had their entire reality shaken, right? Somebody who's had, and I, and I mean a legitimate real, like uh-huh. a big deal sighting. I, I, I don't mean like, you, you know, you saw a light in the sky, no, no, you know,
0: unequivocal start. less than 500 feet, um, yeah, like, you know, like, kind of thing where it makes you question a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. Like you, yeah, like you've definitely, you walked away from that moment questioning your place in the universe. Yeah. Um, so I've never had that. And, um, I think it's difficult to have a conversation and, and to work in the UFO sort of discourse um, without perhaps a life-changing moment. I don't know. Am, am I, maybe I'm wrong here. Like I, I'm just, I'm sort of. Well,
0: I mixed. hope you're. I, I hope you're. Um, I hope you're not wrong because I mean, I mean, actually, I'm sorry. I hope you are wrong because I haven't either. Yeah. Um, and it, I made that point at the end of my talk too, actually, in, in, in the in the essay. Um, that it came from is that what if I personally have something like this happen to me? Am I, Is all this stuff out the window? Am I going to stop philosophizing and say, well, this is... An... I don't think so because you look at somebody like Mike Cleland who's had all kinds of strange things happen to him yeah, know, yeah, by himself, admittedly, and he's still sort of agnostic about it. Not agnostic, but he doesn't... He refuses to put himself into a category or his experiences into a category because he figures it's he he knows his mind's doing a lot of this categorization, and he doesn't. Um, in a way, he doesn't trust it. So that that right. that is very interesting to me. So it can be done. You can have your life changed in a very profound way, and still remain not ag- at least not agnostic, but at least um, open minded.
1: Yeah, you, you sort of remain skeptical to the fact that your life has been changed, right? Or right. Wh- at least what it was has. Involved, but you're ske- has, Yeah,
0: you're skeptical as yeah. to the source. The source.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe you, maybe one does not have to have um, a, a life-altering UFO experience, right, to know anything about it. Yeah. But I think that well, being set a part of,
0: setting like drugs, you know, <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Being, um, being a field investigator for MUFON at least brings me to people who have these moments, right? Um, and I think yeah. speaking to them, interacting with them, um, listening to their stories, um, looking sort of Looking at their reaction and looking into their eyes as they're telling you the story, and and seeing at at times at times the very very real fundamental um, I'm not gonna call it a belief fundamental understanding that that something is not a, something's not right. Like you know they they grew up in a certain ideology and that ideology has crumbled around them. Right, the, the, looking into a person's eyes when they're telling you that story uh, and, and going through their experience with you. Um, that definitely, I think, uh, skeptic or not, I think you, you definitely, um, it, it, you appreciate the, uh, the place they're coming from and it definitely allows you to look at times sort of through, through their eyes. Like you walk in their shoes a little bit when you're, you're writing because as a, as a philosopher or I'm not a philosopher, as a theorist, as a critic, whatever I am, whatever the title is, um. I can be very cutting at times, right? Like I can cut down, you know, someone's idea or belief, you know, fairly quickly because again, it just, it hinges upon storytelling. Yeah. But at times, you know, I, I have to be more sensitive. I have to appreciate the fact that people have lived through this, mm-hmm. whatever this is. Um. So I think being with MUFON at least puts me into that world with those people. I can, I can, appreciate their stories and and I can appreciate where they're coming from. So that's why I choose to do it, you know, and I choose to stay with Mufon for all the goddamn forms I have to fill out. Um <laughs> so, you know, again, whether I'm p- purpose whether I'm I'm removed from Mufon by my superiors um or not, um you know, I'm going to stick with it until at least I I'm I fill out my last form and I just burn it. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, here's, and uh, now I'm, I've, I, we can finally, like, kind of, I've got a bunch, of we've already gone through some of my questions here, but um, reading one, I can't remember which one of the uh, essays I was reading, but uh, one of them, uh, one thing I wondered was, you know, how is the UFO question different from other areas of the paranormal as regards, you know, science and philosophy and sure, where, yeah. the, where this stuff might be coming from? Is it any different?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think UFOs are 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 fundamentally different from the rest of the paranormal
0: Meaning ghosts or, and cryptos and and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever else. Uh, black For eyed sure. kids, whatever you want to call it. For why sure. why do you um, think that?
1: I, I think UFOs create in us a certain anxiety that, that potentially other things don't. Um cryptids and uh ghosts and um, the you know the, the black eyed kids, which is frightening. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> it was just uh, something that popped in my head. I was like, well, I don't know if you'd put that in uh, cryptids or ghosts. It's probably in between. Yeah. But anyway,
1: it's something. Um, I, I think ultimately those things, right, come from our world, right? You know, Bigfoot, assuming he's an animal or she's an animal, right, mm-hmm. is is you know biologically from this planet. Ghosts, you know, assuming they're dead people they they they're dead people uh-huh. um, so they they act like humans right um, the the ufo question and the question of a non-human intelligence and let's just use that term instead of aliens or extraterrestrials let's just use this idea of an intelligence that isn't
0: exactly human. that that isn't that is not is not us it might yeah. not, and is not hominid and whatever yeah
1: yeah or or wasn't human at what point let's say you know or or whatever right you know
0: okay we know where we're coming from
1: exactly you know um the, the, the vast majority of the paranormal comes from a human place or at least um a a, pla- a place from on this planet right whereas in the the non-human intelligence is so fundamentally alien from us and and more importantly it's intelligent um and more importantly it's intelligent like we're intelligent right it has agency it it can reason and it can be rational and it can um think like you and I in the sense that it um it, it can build ships or it can at least travel, you know, in, in interstellar way or it can travel via conduits within like a unified consciousness theory or, or whatever, right? It has yeah. the ability to manipulate um, its world just like we can. And I think that right. this really shakes down to an idea that humans walk around this planet with this idea that, you know, we, we're sort of the ones in charge, right? We're the highest Level of intelligence on this planet. We own the joint. Um, we're the we're the biggest predators on the food chain. Nothing else um, sort of stands in our way. In in when it comes to dominating our the the world around us, um, and it doesn't necessarily mean a bad way. You know, sometimes it's good to dominate things. Like building a hospital is generally a good thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> however, the 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 UFO question calls all of that into question. Um, it challenges our sovereignty over this planet. It challenges our um, right to rule in a sense it it fundamentally challenged that it throws it out the window in fact um to the point where there is i think significant anxiety on the part of of most people in in dealing with ufos because um if ufos are something that are intelligently controlled and and if there is a non-human intelligence at work um we have to adapt to the fact that our control over this planet is in no way established we are no longer a single voice but but um one voice in a choir um or at least a duet and (laughs) sharing is not something our species does well um because we, we, we really fundamentally want to control things, right? We want to be able to ensure, you know, our offspring survive. We want to be able to ensure that we're comfortable and we have food and water. Um and, and more importantly, we want to be able to control that we have power and that we um can can sort of manipulate the world to um ensure our species survives. The UFO question the non human intelligence question is is something that challenges that directly and it causes yeah. significant anxiety. Nobody gets stressed out about Bigfoot taking over the planet um, <laughs> you know no yeah, one exactly you know, no one gets stressed out about ghosts suddenly um, you know rising up and and um, overthrowing the government yeah and, there's
0: th- there 's not going to be a ghost apocalypse
1: yes yeah, enslaving us right like this, this is not this is not a thing um, but but it, very much within at least literature and within film and, and, and television, this is a common occurrence with, with UFOs, right? Yeah. The aliens show up and and they invade, um, or they colonize, or, you know, if it's, they live, they, they have some super secret, um, resource collection program and you need sunglasses to see them. Um, (laughs) but this is the anxiety I think with UFOs. And I, and I think this is why UFOs are interesting because they are a, a very anxious subject for people. Um, and a lot of times to the point where nobody wants to talk about them and we just write it off. We just say, yeah, UFOs are stupid. We cue the X-Files music and then um, it gets sort of tabooed, right? Uh,
0: and yet PS stuff still happens to people, so.
1: A hundred percent.
0: But – and also, you know, there, there's another question here between, you know, is – if there's a non-human intelligent, is intelligence, is it attached to the UFO subject or all of it or part of it or on a very basic level? And this is – you know, I uh, – when I ask people about this or talk about it basically is um, I'm going to assume there's an intelligence that is not human, that it interacts with us occasionally because I've seen and talked to and read about and heard about and have known about this for you know most of my life. And it's been, you know, it's been assumed by religions especially yeah, and folklore oh, sure. for the entire history of the human race. So, you know, d- do we go back and question if there is, even is a some sort of um, intelligent agency with a with a self awareness, or is there not? I, I'm making the assumption that there is because then I can I can talk about it in a way that makes sense to me and that we you know we have a handle on dealing with it. But is there you know is, is do you think that's a um, is that a dead end?
1: No, well you know it's tough, right? We can ultimately argue that like God is a non-human intelligence. Yes, yeah,
0: so I'm, I'm pushing at this, your last essay here, actually. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm,
1: not, I'm not, and I, and, and it's funny, I, I did get a bit of flack, I think somebody did call me a heretic, um, I, but, and, and good, I... Good, good, I'm glad they, they did. They didn't read the article, but, um, like, I'm not saying that to to make God any lesser, right? I mean, but if we really think about God as being, you know, um, the most uh, powerful, uh, omnipotent being that ever exists in the universe, he's not human, Um and he's and he is intelligent. So so clearly, then um, we kind of get stuck. Like, what if this non-human intelligence is simply God um, interacting with us, right? And the Catholics cheered. Um, <laughs> but you know, fundamentally, you know, is is this a thing that that we're dealing with? You know, maybe it's just you know the creator or or um, you know whatever you believe in when it comes to a god. Um, is that maybe what we're just interacting with? And when God manifests, um, the brain simply has to figure out what the hell it's looking at. And because God is so alien to us, so completely and utterly— um,
0: Outside of our normal experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, illogical, right? Yeah. That, that um, the brain cannot comprehend. Therefore, it creates— Uh, a UFO sighting or it creates um, uh, an interaction with a being of some sort.
0: Um, Back to co-creation again.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, You know, I lost track of your question. I have to be honest. I started thinking about God and things got out of hand. That's
0: okay. We can go in. The the, the question was, is it okay to assume a non-human intelligence that is, you know, a a non-human intelligence that we interact with occasionally? And I'm, my idea is, Yes, it is because what other handles you have on dealing with an anomalous experience, um, with, right? It's, you know, uh, yeah, you think, have to make some assumption, and most people throughout history have assumed that it's that's something. It's intelligent, it has agency, and it interacts with us um, yeah. to varying degrees.
1: Yeah, and for sure. And once in a while, you know, the pesky little buggers leave um, physical evidence lying around, right? Like, yeah.
0: You know, well, there's what, another what, one. Where the hell does the phys- that's what people have told me. I'm like, well, where do you put? Where you know, where, What about right. physical evidence? And I go back to like, look we 're looking at a model of what something is that our mind is using to deal with whatever happened. The physical evidence is a physical evidence of whatever that thing was whatever you know it doesn 't mean that yeah. what we saw was what was there, but they did it did leave some sort of physical evidence, or you can get yeah. really basic and say you know that um you know in topa like that we we had some kind of uh, thing happen and our mind actually reordered reality to make it that way so that other people could see it that way too. And that gets really insane and people get mad about that.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, the, it, this is this is a, a fair, I, I'm not going to use the term criticism because I think the criticism can be easily handled, but it's a fair argument yes. in regards to co-creation, co, co right? This idea like, well, you know, once in a while they show up on radar, for example. So how is this possible, right? If it's just within the human mind. And, and I think there's, oh, I, there's I, potentially... I'm talking oh, about
0: close encounters a lot more than I am about things on radar or lights in the sky.
1: Right. And but again, you know, ultimately making a mistake
0: I, when you equate those two, I think.
1: Perhaps, yeah. I mean, if we're dealing with close encounters, right, then then ultimately, yeah, I, we're very rarely dealing with any more with with Like physical evidence, like what, like landing marks, is that really what we're dealing with here? Yeah.
0: Well, there's landing marks, and the guy saw a thing land there, so it must be that that was the thing that landed there. And you know, I'm trying really hard to say, well, not necessarily. Um, Yeah,
1: I'm trying to remember like the last good landing mark case. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's right. What what the hell happened
0: to that? It went went the way of you know, hairy dwarves and 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 uh, getting soil samples. It
1: was huge in like the 70s and 80s, right? These landing.
0: Like yeah, well, more like have, a '60s. I you know, I, the first one I can think of possibly is is socorro, but there, there's there's many, many others.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. But like, you, like you you really don't hear about them. No, after the 1970s, right? Right.
0: right. I mean, there's what?
1: a few, I think, like cases out of Europe. Right. There's a couple Italian and, and French cases or something that in the '70s they landed. But then after that, you know, I can't think of a good like UFO landing case um, that's recent, like especially within the last decade. So.
0: Yeah, there's some on Albert Rosales's. Uh, well, it used to be a site, but now now he has a group on Facebook, and he has those books out. But there have been no. Well, you know what? There's nobody goes and sees if there's a landing trace. They just say the thing landed, but you don't hear any report about you know like um, in the ground. Yeah, or. exactly, and you don't hear about uh, who's the landing trace guy that used to go out a lot. He used to work with Bud Hopkins. I can't remember his name, but yeah, okay, yeah, but um, yeah, that was his. Somebody, he, I think he's still alive. Somebody ought to find him and say, "Look, are you know, did landing cases." Uh, trail off or what? Um, right. And I'm, I, I, you know, I don't okay. know if you've had any, otherwise you would say something. But. No, I haven't. Yeah. No, so, you know, what's going one. on here? You know, somebody yeah. just told me they talked to Ryan and he said that, you know, th- things seem to go in lockstep with what we think and maybe just slightly ahead of us. And that might not be because it thinks it's ahead of us. It's just our brains are thinking ahead of us or Co-
1: and, uh, and that, that's <laughs>
0: co-creating the future, you know?
1: Huh. Exactly. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to think, right. You know, if, if you're, if you interact with a non-human intelligence and ultimately your brain is, is your brain is trying to establish links, right. Between, between the objective interaction, let's say, because let's say there is an objective interact. Like we're assuming there's an objective interaction. We're assuming yes. that, that, that the, let's say I'm sitting in fine. The we kind right of have to, to you. well, you know, do we, I don't know. Uh, I think philosophically we can probably find like both situations, but uh, let's not go there because we don't have much time left. Um,
0: <laughs> we got but, 40 minutes if we want, we can go over that. It's all so, right.
1: So let's say, you know, you're standing in your kitchen middle of the night, you, you know, you see something in your backyard, you know, you're not sure you go to the, the, you know, the big glass door, you know, that goes into your back door because you're rich right? you one on those nice sliding glass doors and you're staring outside. And then like you, you look through the glass and then you see it. Okay. The non-human intelligence, let's say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whatever it is, Mm -hmm. whether it has a physical body or whether it is like, you know, gaseous or something, or whether it's like just a force, right? Like, 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 you know, some sort of energy force or or there appears to
0: be something there.
1: Yeah. Something is there. You interact with it. It doesn't have to be visual either. It could be, you know, physical. I don't know. It just moves through. I don't know. Whatever. The point is this,
0: the house shakes something.
1: Yeah. So, so you have this experience, you interact with it, Mm -hmm. um, and I was going to ask you this actually in, in a Facebook question, but I'll ask you now. Um, you're standing there at the glass, and you're and you're you're peering out the screen, this glass door into your backyard, and there it is in front of you. When does co-creation occur, right? And this is this is this this is a big question because does your brain, or sorry, y- your your eyes see it? that data then gets transferred through your, your eyes into your visual cortex or whatever. Uh, your brain then interprets that data and then within its itself creates the forged reality to make sense of this thing in front of you. So you see a gray. Mm-hmm. Now it's not actually a gray. It's a non-human intelligence that we can't currently define, but you see a gray, mm-hmm. right? Your brain says it's a gray mm-hmm. or does, does, um, you standing there does the non human intelligence yeah is it is it able to um is it able to basically see or or um pre um, via like precognition does it become and does it almost shape shift not because it wants to but it it just simply adapts like a chameleon to what you see, right? So, yeah, so who, who
0: are who are we giving most of this agency to? You're saying,
1: yeah, and not necessarily. Like, I'm not saying that the, the non-human intelligence system is like, okay, it sees a gray, therefore I'm going to look like a gray. Rather, it sees th- this 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 human sees a gray, therefore I have I have to become a gray, like a chameleon has to change color, right? Right. right. It doesn't necessarily, and
0: it an doesn't option. even have to think about it, really. It maybe just yeah, does it just this. Does yeah.
1: exactly. Is it just a, is is this thing's objective reality? whatever our altered reality is our forged reality so does it does it adapt automatically without thinking it just does so as like a like some sort of response Um, it 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 shape shifts let's say to use the term Mm -hmm. into the gray um, because it, it must right it must it must become what we see it as yeah because it doesn't exist in any other state, yeah. right? So it has no, it has no spatial or um, temporal place, let's say. It's when you interact with it. Until we give it, it
0: some coordinates. It,
1: exactly. It, then, it can then become something, right? And these are two very different things, right? Um, because ultimately, option one, where it's there, you, you, you are interacting with it. It's not changing. Only your brain can't register it. Yes. Therefore, your brain creates the, the reality mm-hmm. versus um, this thing which stands in front of you, which must become what your brain sees. Otherwise, it doesn't exist in um, our space or time or whatever you know terminology you want to use. Yeah. But these are two very different things. So that's my question to you. Which one is it? Or is it something else? Like, have I? I may have missed uh, a possible.
0: No, you didn't miss anything. Like I said, I I, like I said to myself before we did this interview, I'm going to have to be on my toes when I'm talking to MJ here because he actually asks very incisive, intelligent, and difficult questions. This is something uh, we at the beginning of the of the uh, interview. I said one of my answers must be I don't know, right. And in this case, either I don't know or I'm not sure, right. I lean towards. Just because that's the way I am. Yep. Um, us bringing more, way more to the dance than the other than than whatever the that whatever that objective thing in in
1: time and space is. Right, so it's it's not forced to adapt; it rather our brain adapts to it.
0: I think in so because sense. I don't like giving the other the whatever the other part of the equation is too much agency. Right. Um, it, I I don't know well, why. Are you, are you I mean, the, the, then, huh? I
1: think aren't you? Aren't you giving it agency? Then, like, if it if it's forced to adapt to what we see it as, then it doesn't have agency to to, to shape itself. It it's shaped into whatever we witness. Oh, I, it as. no,
0: no. I'm saying that the memory of it or whatever it is is shaped by our consciousness into what our okay. consciousness can handle, no matter what that objective reality is or what it thinks okay. it might be doing or whatever. I haven't really thought about you know because if I start giving it more power than I feel like I'm like stepping into ETH territory and it kind of bothers me. Right. That's just a personal thing. Yeah, yeah. so I totally understand I, where you're coming from and it is very interesting. And now I'm going to have to um, push, push this part of uh, what I, you know, when I want to talk about this and put it in a book, that's something I really have to think about. Um, but like I said, I, most of it has been, how much do we bring to the dance? I think we bring a right. lot of it, maybe close to a hundred percent. Right, so not 100%, a hundred percent, because that would mean that you're hallucinating things, but yeah. close to a hundred percent.
1: Like I then have a follow-up. I have a follow-up scenario then potentially right. here, and the follow-up scenario is that well, it's not a scenario. For the just the follow-up question becomes, um, so you're standing at the glass, you're looking through the window, and you see it. Do you then does your brain automatically create that reality, like within the the like? Within the, the the nanoseconds of right, seeing right. it, exactly. that reality is created, or do you have an interaction with it? Um, you have, you know, you see it for what it is, and you interact with it in the way that, you know, the interaction occurs, but then the memory that walks out of that interaction mm-hmm. is then shaped to make sense. Right?
0: Yes, so I think that's you, going on too. Was, Go ahead, right. I'm sorry.
1: No no, I'm just saying so so option 1 is that 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 memory and that altered reality, that forged reality occurs immediately. There's no there's no you never you never get to witness the thing objectively. It only exists as the forged reality. The forged reality becomes reality.
0: Yes, I'm I'm almost the, certain of that.
1: So option 2 would be the forged reality only occurs in the memory of the moment. So you sta- I, I you stand there both. and you, and you interact with the being, whatever right, it is, right? At, on a purely objective sense, like mm-hmm. you're staring at it. There it is. Holy crap! I I'm understanding this now. But when I walk away from this moment, in the in the in the minute, two minutes, however long this interaction exists for, as I start to remember what happened, that's when the fake rea- that's when the uh, forged reality comes into existence. Mm-hmm. So, can a person objectively see the non-human intelligence or? Does the mind automatically have to shape the reality to, to the forgery?
0: Right. I, Is it- it's both. Okay. Um, I, think that there, I think there's two things going on, although this could be changed. Um, one, I think it's impossible for us to see any quote-unquote objective reality about anything, That's- and in particular, something extremely strange we're not used to. Like right. you turn on the stove, and you turn on the stove 100,000 times, and the stove always comes on. Um, that, right. That's good and robust, and that's fine, and we don't have to worry about that. Whether or not the, the stove is actually turning on or not, it, you know, it makes food and it's hot and all that. So we, that, that right. is a very robust uh, representation of what's going on. Um, yeah. But when you see that thing on the other side of the glass, that does not happen every day to most people. So I think that there's two things going on. One, in the nanosecond where something, something is perceived – yeah, um, and then when things go on, your brain's going. You know, it, before nope. it's even. Yeah, whenever <laughs> yeah. when it, by the time it gets conscious awareness, it's not yeah. what the the objective quote unquote reality of that is. I don't know if there is one. There's something going on that's not that's not you. That I'm right. pretty certain of that. However. Um, there is a vast, you know, there is a myriad of things that go on after that in the remembering of it, in the right. dealing with uh, of it, in the talking to the MUFON investigator of it, in the right. remembering right. it yourself over and over, in talking to other people about it and telling the story. And yeah, sometimes people say, well, the story didn't change for years. It's like, well, the story was incul- inculcated into their consciousness. Within that first couple of minutes, or a couple of days or right. weeks, and it's been that way since then. But I think it's very malleable before that,
1: right? And I think, it, but I think that's all situations, right? I mean, that's why. Yeah, you know, I know. I'm just, just applying the it to right? witness testimony. Right? Is yeah, often changes. And,
0: yeah. yeah, I use that as part of my argument too. It's like a yeah. witness testimony is starting to not be as um, taken for granted now in, in in courtroom cases. I give the example of like. Um, I think Robert Anton Wilson talked about this um, and I've got to find the original citation that a, you know, um, psychology professor is giving a lecture uh, right in the middle of the class. Somebody comes running into the class, stabs somebody to death and then runs away and everybody's freaking out. Yeah. Then the guy gets up and he's like, ah, nothing happened. And the professor, you know, it's like it was yeah. fake. We just, you know, this is just a little experiment. The first thing the professor says is what did everybody see? Yeah. Well, a guy ran in and <laughs> stabbed him. It's like, Okay, what happened? Well, he came in and stabbed him. It's like with what? Well, he stabbed him with a knife. I mean, how else do you stab somebody? The guy walks in and he has a banana. Yeah, yeah. And that is a very basic way of saying, you know, how much of a reality you create. Do you create Everybody's oh, sure. saying nobody said it wasn't a banana? Well, I don't know about that. I would venture to guess that nobody says it was a banana.
1: Yeah, well, it's the same thing. Like, like you say, right? Like, you know, the, when people at the witness box will testify, you know, what the person looked like, right? The the the. It, it'll range from you know the guy's skin color to the, what the guy was wearing. It was all totally different right No one can really agree it happens all the time yeah um in in sort of criminal cases right so um yeah no i I, I think that that's that's definitely an aspect of co creation i think the 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 i'm not sure if anyone's arguing with you there right like I don't think that's yeah that's
0: and it's like it's not intention. really a co it's more because you were arguing is it a co creation meaning does a thing have agency and and conform to art? I think the co mean meaning. There's something there and we create almost all of it. Um not right. and the co creation means we're creating something out of that quote unquote whatever it is objective reality outside of our, our, our brains. Um and that it is created, it is not recorded like you would with a you know, a video recorder or a tape recorder or taking a picture or whatever. It's another right. weird thing. Nobody has any close up pictures of aliens. Why is no. that? Because it's, it's mind control or whatever. It's like, I don't know. I, I don't know if you could take a picture of it. Right. And the yeah, other thing and, and, I ask is if somebody has an, some kind of a weird experience, a close encounter, if I'm sitting 10 miles away with a telescope and I can see what's going on, what would I see? That's an interesting question right. to me. So, I don't so know what the question is, but the answer so, is. But.
1: So in, via co-creation, if if if, yeah, okay, so I'm in some field having an experience with, Whatever it is, you're ten miles away with the telescope staring at the situation. Mm-hmm. are you seeing the exact same thing i'm seeing right is yeah what you're and i
0: time? and I would argue you would the the almost certainly would not see the same thing
1: no you wouldn't right and, and even
0: if you had the best resolution telescope ever and you could see right. like you were standing ten feet this away
1: is, this is why i like this is why I kind of dig um scenario two right when i s when I posited <laughs> that you're standing at the glass and yeah. the thing becomes. The right. thing pre- precognates what you see, uh-huh. and it has to become that, right? So, in order to exist within our reality, it has to become whatever I make it to be, right? So, the 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 fake, the forged reality I create becomes true reality for the non-human intelligence, right? Not because the thing has a choice, or because it makes the choice; it just happens,
0: and right? Exactly. Is, it's a it's a natural it is, course of of it's like a physical law almost. A,
1: yeah, it's almost like it's 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 like it evolved this way, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think I this is interesting because it deals it then allows you to really deal with some of the potential arguments against it. In that, you know, why then did you know five hundred people see the Phoenix Lights? So, so then maybe somebody had assuming the Phoenix Lights wasn't flares. Let's yeah. assume it's not. Okay. Let's Assume the Phoenix Lights is a real. Yeah. You know, there, there's
0: arguments to be made in both ways, which is wonderful. Sure, yeah. But yeah.
1: Yeah, whatever. I, uh, I like the Phoenix Legskates. So, you know, we're standing there and and one of us experiences this being, ETH. What, ETH, God, no. One of us experiences the non-human intelligence. Sorry. <laughs> so then this thing has to then take the shape of whatever my cognition is. Yeah. Right? So then 500 people see the same thing because the thing had to do what my brain, of the reality of my brain my brain had to create right yeah you know what i mean so then it became you know this massive ufo with you know lights all around it and whatever because that's that's what my brain interpreted the being to be and then 500 other people saw the same thing right who was doing you know the creating
0: I mean? though was it you or the 500 people or everybody together or you, what
1: well i i okay so we can go the route of either it's one of us right and we create it, whoever first saw it, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> whoever was lucky like, you enough. Yeah. So it could have been a friggin', you know, stay puff marshmallow man. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah or, exactly. <laughs> or.
0: That's a good point. You know, yeah.
1: Or we go the route of like Eastern philosophy, right? We go the route of consciousness itself is connected, consciousness itself is shared. So it it showed up, whatever it is, and mm-hmm. it basically had to precognate at the same time what human consciousness itself as a thing that's unified across all of us like yeah. very union right like the yeah, universal yeah. consciousness um it then was just like okay well, i'm showing up as a ufo that don't
0: worry don't worry folks these are all thought experiments we don't actually believe quote unquote no, yeah. anything we, of what we're saying
1: should we this is this is this yeah this is getting deep but yeah no for sure i'm just like asterisk we're, kick, so we're kicking we're
0: kicking ideas around this has basically been the whole show and i love it
1: this is actual philosophy 101 here yeah um, yeah exactly <laughs> So, is this what we're dealing with, right? If if we go the route of Eastern philosophy, you know, Buddhist, Hinduism, even indigenous in in North America, you know, there's a there's a understanding that consciousness itself is is one thing. It's all linked. You and I share a consciousness, even though we're sitting. You know, you're in California and I'm you're in California, right?
0: Yeah, Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah,
1: Los Angeles. And I'm in and I'm in you know Canada. Um, our consciousness is all connected. And everyone in between as well. So when a mass sighting occurs, right, whether it's the Phoenix Lights or or whether it's, um, you know, O'Hare in Chicago or, or whatever, we all see the same thing. Is it because the non-human intelligence is forced to adapt to human consciousness in order to exist within our time and space?
0: Yeah, that 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 actually it's very funny that you say that because at one point in the essay – that I wrote, I said, "Are we dealing with something that holds up a mirror anytime we get too close?"
1: Exactly. Right. So is it is it mimicking in a sense our notion of what the UFO is or what aliens are or whatever, so that it's not just one person who has yeah one person who generates the reality, yeah. but we all generate the reality,
0: yeah. and it's done automatically.
1: Exactly. It's like right. a it's like a it's like a auto response, right? It, it's like a it's like a an instinctual response, the thing has to, the non-human intelligence has to adapt in that way.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't even know it has to adapt. It just exists in that kind of a, kind of a reality.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's still, it still could possibly, it still is intelligent. It still has agency. It still, it still exists, right? It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It's still out there. It's just that it, it has to, it has to function within it's the way it evolved, let's say.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, actually, I said that in my talk. It, it, do we look at a possibility when something's happening, immediately co- collapse the wave function when it becomes what it is, you know, what we rem- remember right. it as?
1: Yeah. Even in the intro of the show, right, there's the, you have, you know, valet talking and, and, and then you have the one person who says we're dealing, you know, with pure information. Yeah, right? Mac Tony like
0: yeah, yeah. said that.
1: Yeah. So ultimately, if we are, if let's say this non-human intelligence is so advanced – Beyond us, that it's simply pure information. Mm-hmm. So the information has to manifest in some way that is physical and temporal, right? It has to it has to become a physical object or has to become a physical being or whatever, and it simply uses the information within consciousness itself, a unified consciousness, to manifest itself. It right. it literally scans consciousness, figures out what people see or what people want to see or what people are going to
0: see. Yeah, and this isn't a process or anything; it's instantaneous
1: it's in, it takes zero time it's in, it's all in zero time
0: yeah
1: yeah it's it's basically it's it's yeah it's like scanning through all possible mm-hmm. realities finding the one that's most likely and then it occurs uh, right instantaneously so so that would that would alleviate potentially any mass sighting that would alleviate your physical trace issue that would alleviate your radar issue that would alleviate everything yeah. because ultimately ultimately you're still dealing with a non-human intelligence that shows up the simple fact of the matter is though that it's not flesh and blood like you and I are flesh and blood it it simply exists in a different state that that registers information versus um light and sound waves and 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 um you know smell or, or whatever however yeah. you and I interact with the world around us right it interacts with the world around it it via information and then it in order to manifest itself it requires that information to create um, a physical presence or, or and, and to exist within time, I guess, as well. Yeah,
0: something that we can deal with in, on our terms.
1: Yeah. Now, this assumes that, you know, consciousness is unified, right, via, like, Buddhism, for example.
0: Right, it, right, right.
1: The Buddhists would not have a problem with this argument. Neither right. would probably people who, you know, are Hindu or whatever. I think, you know, uh, scientifically minded sort of Westerners would have a problem with this, right, because this assumes then that consciousness is unified whatever. We can yeah. have a philosophical argument about that. Yeah, exactly. But it's interesting. It's an interesting.
0: I, yeah, I thought it was interesting to use that word again that you brought up. Um, that the I think it was a physicist, uh, a, a name Sharf.
1: Yeah, I um, uh, can't remember his first name. Yeah, I can't he, either. He, but,
0: but he yeah he uh, we're saying go that. Ahead. Go ahead.
1: Well, I was just gonna say he he's the one who posited that um, we can't necessarily tell the difference between an advanced alien species and the laws of physics. Right, like the laws of physics themselves might be an advanced non-human intelligence.
0: Yes. Well, this is, this is actually
1: itself within the the universe.
0: Right. This is actually one of the ideas behind information theory, which has been fascinating me here for about the past year, almost a year now. Um, and I bring up the, uh, the example of, um, uh, John Wheeler, John Archibald Wheeler near the end of, you know, he was a Nobel prize winning physicist when he was in his nineties, I think, he wrote right. a he wrote a book where he posited that, like Mac Tony said, um, the basis of reality is information and that it is pure information and before it's before it gets to the point where mathematicians and, and physicists, well, especially physicists, um, deal with it, it has been we have made a conscious choice for it to be a certain way and not yeah. that pure information anymore, but the basis of it before it is matter and um and galaxies and, and physical laws and the the laws that govern them and all that is just an undifferentiated field of information.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, it's information probably in its most objective.
0: Sense. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's like you, you can't really objectify it and say, it's like, you know, it's a, it's like computer information or something like that. No, it. no. It's just bits of information. Um, Hanging yep. in space, I don't know, but bits of information where that—that that is the unified field from which—and I hate to use that term, but from which our physical world, um, uh, what's the word? It arises from that because right. of our consciousness and looking at it. And then, yep. um, and th- this is an argument now between information theorists and physicists who hate the information theorists because they're kind of like it, they're treading on their ground. It's Like, what do you mean? There's something more basic than physics. But right. th- that's an argument that's going on right now, and it's you know it's above my um, pay grade or whatever you want to call it. But it still interests me, and I'm I'm trying to figure out what the uh, information theory part of it is because, um, uh, as uh, I think uh, Valet told me this, he said if information theory is correct, then all this weird stuff that goes on is almost normal. Yeah, <laughs> and if yeah. it's if the physical thing is correct, then it's basically impossible. Not impossible, but really improbable.
1: Yeah, so that that fascinates me. Yeah, information theory is 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 definitely like especially philosophy today it's it's talked about a lot. It really stems from um the philosophy of a guy named um David Hume who he he wrote in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Um I think he was Scottish or something. Yeah. Anyway, um he he posited a theory called bundle theory. Um and it's the idea that all physical objects Or any object for that, well, anything for that matter, it doesn't have to be necessarily a physical object, anything for that. um, An idea? Yeah, just consists of um, the way we conceptualize them, right? So, you know, if, for example, the table in front of you, um, you know, the table itself um, doesn't necessarily look like a table to someone who's not human or you know without humanity that table wouldn't be there but we look at the table and we say well it's brown it has four legs it has a top you know yeah. therefore it's a table
0: yeah but a snail um, but- might not think that yeah
1: Exactly. Yeah, the, the 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 tableness isn't intrinsic to the table, right? Right. That its tableness is intrinsic to you and I mm-hmm. because we interpret it as such. However, that table floating around in space when there's no humans <laughs> in a you know empty universe, it's not a table. It's just a who knows collection of information. It's
0: a collection of right? information waiting for waiting for somebody to make it into a table. Yeah. Uh, for example.
1: Yeah, there's there's no there's no sort of substance right within, within to the table itself that yeah. that that had that's like inherent to it right. The, mm-hmm. the table has substance, and because we sort of make it have substance, um, because that's what we interpret tables to be. Um, so the table does exist, but it exists as pure information. It, it's unrecognizable to a, a non-human who has never seen a table, right? Right. Or doesn't use tables. Um, I don't know, like, so if you know, it doesn't you see,
0: make any sense, it's it is not useful to that thing to that consciousness. Yeah.
1: if the non-human intelligence exists in pure information, for example, it's not going to use a table, right? Right. It, maybe it'll manifest itself as a table because somebody thought it was a table. Like, <laughs> so, so yeah. you know, my only hope is that if I ever bump into the non-human intelligence, if I'm like kitten, and then like it just becomes a kitten, how great would yeah. that be, right?
0: Yeah. Well, the, the um, I think. Uh, this was from Bruce Duensing, who was a, a, a friend of mine in the last about probably like year of his life when I realized what he was saying and what he was talking about and how important what he said was. Um, I can't. Oh, uh, I don't know if it was a conversation or it, he had written this, but, he, you know, what, what, is, what would you ask a non-human intelligence if you could talk to it? And his, his, uh, his uh, answer was, I would ask it, what am I?
1: Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> wow, that is actually probably the that's totally re that's changed everything I would ever ask. Actually, right there to that question, I think that is probably the most important question. Yeah. That anyone could ask of a non-human intelligence. Right? Yes. Um, but wow, yeah, I, 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 that's going to be a terribly obscure post right there.
0: Yeah. What from its point of view? What am I not? What you know? Not a philosophical. What am I? And what am I doing here? What do you? What do from your point of view? What do you think I am? Yeah, that would be. Yeah, that would be. You know, that would answer. That would that would be a um, a a real game changer if we could possibly. That would be.
1: That would be. That would be a fascinating. That's a fascinating thought experiment right there. Like my like my mind's going a mile a minute right now and i'm going exactly. to get away from this i will be tied with this for the next year and a half
0: <laughs> yeah yeah please take that in a direction and and please, please. Uh, write it down and talk to me about it too that's a good one yeah
1: well all right
0: yeah uh, so you know you talked about this earlier but you know how is this part of is this a part of ufology that'll ever get anywhere do you think anybody will ever care?
1: <laughs> I, I would, I would, I would ask this question: Has ufology gotten anywhere, anyway? Yeah, exactly. Right, like what what progress has really been made, if any? And I, I would say none. Right, I, I think ufology exists within um, a world of we will never get there. Um, you know, because ultimately until it's not been, called
0: ufology anymore and does something else.
1: E- exactly. You know, I have to be honest. Ufology will die a very quick painless death the second the aliens show up and land on the White House lawn and say hey we're here right, right exactly like, like, ufology itself will end
0: yeah nobody'll care they'll say we we'll told we told you so and
1: it's like i don't care <laughs> yeah, uh, more importantly ufology will then become the realm of of you know exobiology or or physics or whatever right like like it will like if aliens actually show up and say yo we're here and and make it public and it's a big show there's not going to be ufologists anymore right um there will be people who used to call themselves ufologists and then like scientists pick up the rest of the way. Right. And, And, um, you know, it becomes the realm of universities and governments.
0: Arrival, arrival like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, the worst thing actually, I, I think, I mean, really, you know, perhaps all, maybe, maybe, um, you know, Sigmund Freud would say, right. All ufologists fear, um, uf ufos becoming like public knowledge right to the point where it's accepted by 100 percent of the population because then, yeah, then, they, ufology, then they can't be
0: hipsters anymore man
1: yeah it, ufology <laughs> dies um you know <laughs> maybe maybe that's the biggest fear um but no I, I i listen philosophy itself hasn't really answered a lot of questions anyway right um and, sorry i take that back there's a lot of philosophers who just were like what the hell did you just say um <laughs> 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 Sorry. What I mean is, what I mean is um, w- we still wrestle over basic philosophical issues that you know, have been discussed for thousands of yeah. years.
0: Stands right? outside what we normally do all day and makes us think a little bit deep, deeper about what we're doing here, what, we're, you know, what we do every day, yeah. and um, how we interact with people. All the things that philosophy is supposed to do.
1: Yeah. Phil- yeah philosophically, is, philosophy is very much a questioning of the self, right? Understanding the self more. And, and you'll never understand the self completely. Otherwise, you're God, but um, <laughs> it, 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 with every with every philosophical thought you have or with every philosophical argument you have or with every philosophical sort of reasoning that you create, you sort of grasp a little more about yourself and, mm-hmm. and we're we're with straws here like we're going like you know little tiny puzzle pieces at a time, but yeah. ultimately you're sort of putting that puzzle together, fully aware that you will never complete it um. I would posit ufology is exactly the same. Ufology is grasping at straws or grasping at tiny little puzzle pieces to try and make you know, them all fit, and we're trying to make them make this beautiful picture. Uh, the problem is, listen, we're never going to finish it, because every single day that picture gets bigger and more puzzle pieces get added. Um, so it, I don't think it matters. I think I think if, if someone in ufology says, you know, what's the point of philosophy in, in ufology, it, it's not going to get us anywhere. Nothing's going to get us anywhere, right? Science is going to get us anywhere yeah. in this situation, right? So um, I think the question is, is I don't know, I, I don't think the question makes sense necessarily. That um, no, doesn't make sense. It's just, you know, a, a nonsensical question, maybe.
0: I guess so. I mean, it, maybe it's more like it should be paid attention to because it can give you some signposts. And then maybe you can act on these signposts based on, okay, well, um if we're involved quite a bit in this um, and there is something else, what, you know, what, what do we do our, to get ourselves out of the equation? Or let's look at more closely how we integrate into the equation, which will give us some you know, a little bit more insight to what's going on. And stop saying answer or anything like that because I don't think answer is going to happen.
1: No, it's not. And, and really all you can do is, is generate more questions. Right. That's all you're ever going to do. You're just going to generate question after question. And as you start to answer, sorry, well, answer as you start to get to the root of a few questions, mm-hmm. you're going to start generating more questions. Right. Yeah. I mean, we took we, we started out, what, two hours ago, um, you yeah, know, with almost. A, a, a sort of a, a simpler understanding of co-creation. And we just walked out. Having a philosophical conversation two hours later with potentially something that's a little more interesting and a little more bigger and a little more um, complex that answers a lot of the possible uh, critiques of co-creation as a theory. Right. Um, and 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 so by by doing that, we also generated like a whole ton more questions that we're going to have to now deal with. Potentially. <laughs> um, but you know, we can go to and say, "Well, we fixed the radar problem, jerk." So you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you can take that your ETH hypothesis and shove it. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's yeah. I don't think people listen to me anyway, so it's fine. Like, I just sit here and I just punch away my keyboard and, and, you know, once in a while I send it out there into the internet and, you know, I get a response. I get a friend request on Facebook every once in a while, so that's nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's the same thing with me and I've been doing the same thing for a while and you get to the – it sounds like you got to it a lot quicker than me, but, you know, you get to the point where you either lock yourself into something or you do the more interesting thing which you get a lot more interesting conversations, like with you and other people I know, where you start questioning a lot of these things and wondering if it's they're built on nothing or built on um, illusion or built on error or you're just sitting in an echo chamber and all that. And, you know, there's nothing more boring than those few things I just mentioned. The more exciting thing is, uh, um, which I think you agree with, is to, and like you just said, is to grow the question base. Agreed. Uh, You know? Yeah. And that, to, you know, to me, that's fascinating. Um, the other thing is uh, I was uh, speaking with a, a friend of mine recently and they were saying, well, we got to tell, you know, these ufologists to do, you know, to, to check things out and to do things a certain way and become respectable. And I'm thinking, I one, that's not my job. <laughs> and two, the... Um, this is an old idea that I got in, 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 in uh, Buddhist catechism when I was doing that, for, for want of a better word, when I got married the first time I was in a Buddhist temple. So I thought, okay, well, let me go learn some more about Buddhism than just what I read in a book. Yeah, And one of the basic things we talked about was can you become enlightened without not being enlightened first? And the, the the process of becoming enlightened is right. moving from a, a place of, you know, being away from that state into being more towards that state. And the important part is not being in the enlightened state. The important part is going from the not enlightened state to the enlightened state. The, the Excuse journey. me, the journey. So, yeah. if I go in and tell people studying UFOs that they shouldn't be doing this and that and they should, you know, it's like, I think they're going to come to that on their own. Um Right. Also and you know if they're if they're to the point where they want to ask these questions and be and and, and be um inquisitive that 's going to happen naturally anyway and if you're, there's yeah. stumbling blocks here and there and you know I spread a false story or I got the bad data or whatever that 's fine as long as, as long as you realize that but you know it's you, you can 't tell somebody to be a certain way you have to let them grow into it um, and if they're interested, they're 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 going to come by and be in your circle and or at least be in your area of of interest and um, you know discourse happens. So yeah. that that's how I think things will change, not by bringing this like we must make it this way.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think anyone is you know, the beauty of ufology and this is maybe a hindrance too, but there's a <laughs> beauty to it is that ufology is is probably one of the most democratized fields yeah. to ever exist right like there is no ivory tower there's no one who 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 makes ufologists and accredits and accredits them and gives them degrees or yeah, that, that doesn't exist yeah
0: so, and there when, shouldn't be
1: right exactly and when you're dealing with such a, a democratic system to kind of show up and say well you should do it this way you should do it that way um you, all you're going to get is people getting just like telling you to screw off um yeah and and I don't think anyone out there, I don't think there's a single person in the UFO field who who has the holy grail, right? Like no one has shown up and said, Yeah, I'm the Einstein of UFOs because I discovered this. It's like, no, no one's discovered anything. Like no one has well, a discovered. A few anything.
0: a few have, but they're wrong.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. And, and and we have you know, we have the the, the people we idolize in, in the UFO world, right? Like the the Hynics and the valets, um, who we sort of hold up to this um higher level and yeah. and i mean I mean no disrespect to to either of them, well, uh, valet because you know Heineck has shuffled his mortal coil yes. um but I mean no disrespect, but ultimately, like what have they done they've written books great they've they've come up with new philosophies, great. But th- they haven't discovered alien life. They haven't created uh, a theory that is testable in any way. Like th- there's, there's, there's. They did what
0: really. we're doing right now.
1: They literally, exactly, and and we can't say that that there's sort of this group of, of ufo people who are doing it right versus those who are doing it wrong because those who are doing it right have nothing to show for it there's they have they, <laughs> there's no body that they're holding up and being like yeah here's the alien I found him, right? yeah. like so what do you mean by doing it right versus doing it wrong at this point you know you it's you might as well throw yourself down the stairs because you never know you might bump into the non-human intelligence at the bottom yeah you know like uh, yeah I, I don't know i I think that's a, such a silly, well, I'm not sorry. I don't again philosophically cutting. Um, I think it's, I think it's, um,
0: <laughs> you can think, say it. I don't mind.
1: <laughs> well, I just think it's, 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 um, it's a rather short sighted way of looking at it, right? They're not really looking at the whole UFO discourse as a whole across time. I mean, you know, Heinrich, Heinrich's great, but like, I don't really know what he did. I, like I know what he did, but I, he
0: like, legitimized it, the, the the field a little bit. He, yeah, um, for sure. he 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 got the he got more important people to consider it, and he tried to put some sort of what some sort of systematic uh, yes. uh, method of study onto it. And also near the end of his life, started considering weird um, the mystical and philosophical aspects of the uh, uh, of the subject. That that to so, me, that's what he did. No, he didn't solve just, it. Nobody's going to.
1: And exactly. That's my that's my point, right? Yeah. By saying, you know, people should do something one way or another, you know, they're then assuming that one way is gonna solve it and the other doesn't. Yes. Um and, and, and Heinz great, I've read all of his work. He's you know, I agree. I agree with everything you said, but he hasn't solved it. Or he didn't exactly solve. you know, he didn't solve has, it. Neither has anyone else. Right. So to suggest that one way is better than another, um, is baseless. Right. Yeah. There's, it's, there's no,
0: I'll I'll tell you one other thing that the, the time I met Valet, he told me, he said, the answer can come from anywhere.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's why I like Valet.
4: <laughs>
0: Cause I was telling him, I don't know. I'm just a, I'm just a cheerleader. I'm not going to figure this out. And he said, stop, stop, stop. The answer can come from anywhere. You can have the answer. I can have the answer, you know, yeah. I seriously doubt it, but Stephen Greer could have the answer, you know. So God help us. Yeah, exactly. So it yeah, you know, it could it could come from anywhere and to um and to cut somebody down for either not agreeing with you or they've said something you don't like or whatever is, is I think premature. There's certain people that, you know, you don't normally pay attention to because you hear nothing but stuff that just doesn't interest you, like Stephen Greer. You know. Oh, for sure. Or Michael yeah, Sala like- or whatever, whoever you want to talk about.
1: 100%. Like, I, I, I'm, if I, I have to be honest, I've never been to Congress. And, um, uh, yeah, I've, you're not
0: missing anything. I just go because I see friends and I get to talk to people about things off the record at dinner without having anybody listen, and really cool stuff happens there.
5: That's,
1: that's what I, that's why I want to go, but I'm not going to necessarily take, um, you know, any credible information from the people who are like shuckstering uh, like crystals at me and saying I've been abducted because they can feel it. You have you to know, ignore like
0: a- that stuff. That, that That's it's just like life. You have to ignore most of life. <laughs>
1: right. But you never know. They might have the answer, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't see that it there. The but if it comes from there, I'll be completely surprised. And, and yeah. you know,
1: you never know. The guy with the crystals who's telling me I was abducted and here's my aura and it's like bright red and I need to get that checked out by you know, a chakra doctor.
0: Yeah. Well, He he could have part of that answer and I'm just ignoring it, but it's just, you know, it's, it just doesn't attract me. And I think the thing that attracts you too, is part of your understanding. Um, and that, that's what it comes down to. What are, what are the questions I'm asking? What is my understanding? Not trying to get somebody else to believe me, not trying to say that my organization or group or whatever is doing it the right way or right or whatever, but what does it mean to you personally? And how does that intersect with other people who may have sort of the same idea? And you're yeah. all going to get a little bit of a piece of it, I think.
1: Oh, for sure. And I think a key aspect is listening to people also who who don't share your idea necessarily, exactly. right? And, and and potentially adapting your idea to yeah. allow aspects of, of the other, right? Because ultimately yeah. they may have they, – they have different a different understanding, a different perception. I mean it's, it's, the, it's the same reason why I do field work, right? I, why I do field investigations because I need to get that perspective. I need to get the perspective of the person who's having these experiences. Otherwise – Like what the hell do I know, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I really respect that you go out and do that. I, I've, I never went out on a field investigation. I just never. I've talked to people where the stuff is happening or something happened recently, but it wasn't official field investigation. Right. So the fact that you make the effort to do that, it's like to me, it's like me talking to people that I normally wouldn't talk to, who are quite skeptical about things. It's just because I'm going to wade into those waters because I might learn something that I didn't know before. Sure. You know, it's not always fun and it's, you know, but the thing is I've gotten insights from things that I didn't particularly want to do.
1: Agreed. And I'll talk to anyone. I mean, the the, the, the stuff that makes it really tough is when they easily get upset and they get angry and they start like attacking you and and calling you names and just act like a total asshole. That's when it gets tough because, you know.
0: No, I shut it off when the name calling yeah. starts. I don't say I don't say I won or anything. I'm just like nothing's being accomplished, accomplished here, so I'm I'm out of this. I'm out of this conversation.
1: For sure, yeah.
0: Because it, once ideas, once it, once somebody feels threatened, and an emotion comes up. Your thinking goes out the window, or most of it does. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And yeah. any kind of any kind of. Uh, useful thought i think goes out the window when you're it's a rare person that can get emotional not call you names and still have a coherent and and uh and uh, important uh thing you know argument or or part of the discussion i think
1: and they're very few and far between in ufology that's for
0: sure (laughs) yeah i mean you know a a politician or a lawyer can do it but i I can't but nobody i know in ufo discourse can (laughs) <laughs> you know be be passionate and and logical at the same yeah, time <laughs> yeah. cuz your ego gets involved and then the, the, that sure. that just messes everything up um okay we're we're at uh we're at uh, an hour and fifty eight fifty nine 59 minutes
1: well this is uh this is this has been fun
0: and i think we should do it again and the, the, we we could probably never end this i actually didn't get to a few of the questions on here which we'll have to uh uh push to the next time
1: yeah, that sounds great.
0: So uh what I, I've been every once in a while hitting this thing and it's still not Oh, of course it is ten it is uh one minute before the end of the show, it is now broadcasting. <laughs>
1: of course. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> yeah, I have to be honest, it's one of two things. One it's the NSA, and they're just messing with me. <laughs> it's one of us, right? Like one of us. And and they just knew they they didn't want us in the room together. Or The non-human intelligence figured out that we were going to figure it out. So it had to adapt by basically killing the server. (laughs) (laughs) Like what's happening, right? Yeah. This is where we are. I have to be honest. This is this for me is evidence, right? I'm not saying it's aliens, but. (laughs) (laughs) But it's aliens, right?
0: (laughs) I'm not saying it's it's the NSA, but it's the NSA. Yeah. That is so funny. I've been sitting here hitting start broadcast the entire time here, and right as I say, okay, I guess we're out of time, bam, it starts
1: working. (laughs) I hope hope this makes it into the show. I hope this makes it into the show. Oh, it will make
0: it. I'm still recording. Perfect. And I I will leave it this way. And right after we're done here, I'm going to stop the recording, and what I'm going to do is... um, uh, load it onto my computer, which takes like something like thirty seconds, and I will rebroadcast it immediately. And um, uh, probably within a week or so, I will post it because I got to post the uh, um, the show with uh, Jeff Ritzman too, where we had a really good conversation about how we can possibly. Part of our conversation was my idea and his too. If we can get people to have an experience, basically not on demand, but fairly, you know, uh sixty, seventy percent. Right. That will change the game quite a bit. Um, I don't know how it'll change it, but it's a it's a democratizing of it that I think is, is kind of a a, a a um an important piece of the puzzle. If we can get almost anybody to have an experience, then the the conversation will change. The only problem with so, with it is a lot of people most people will have a different experience that is exactly tailored to them as we've been talking about.
1: So what do you mean by experience? Like, like a UFO experience? Or? Yes.
0: UFO <laughs> like or paranormal, paranormal experience? experience? Yeah, UFO. Because I said, I said at the end of the show, um, about 10 minutes before the end of the show, I said, you know, I, I put this idea to him and he says, oh, no, you can do that. I said, really, Jeff? How do you do that? He goes, okay, this is what I tell I said, I don't know. It Probably not a good idea to tell people this. And I said... Jeff, let's just tell people how they can go out and have an experience. I think it's really important we do this. Okay, he says. Um, find a, a rural place where there's not too much light pollution or other people or whatever, if you can be there for a while, and go there every single day or evening when it's dark at the exact same time and sit there for two or three hours and either meditate or think about why you're there or you know imagine what you're going to see. He said, I've had people 60, 70, way more over half the time have something happen. And he said, and it's never what you expect at all. Somebody's expecting to see, you know, so for example, somebody says, I'm going to see some lights come over me or it's going to be a big triangle. And, all, and on the third or fourth night, and he says, this happens pretty quickly within the first week. I was like, really? I thought you'd have to go that for weeks. He goes, no, within a few nights, something will happen. Like, I want to see lights. And somebody sees a huge black form pass across their field of vision. Hmm. And they don't know what it is. And they're like, what was that? And it's, that's not what you wanted or expected. Right. And he says, that's the problem with doing this because it's not going to be what you expect and maybe, probably, almost certainly not what you want. And if you keep doing it, he says, it gets weirder and it sometimes will start to affect you in ways you don't want it to he said i've I've had this happen which is why i put the caveat that you might not want to do this so i thought this is great you know let's get some brave people out there and do this i'll do it yeah you know maybe i'll go crazy but you know like valet said we got you know if you want to study volcanoes you don't you you can't sit 10 miles away from the volcano all the time
1: yeah it's the same thing when you like you go into the woods and you tell yourself there's a bear in the woods right and you go into the woods a few times and then you start to feel like there's a bear there yeah, you know what I mean. Like you get that that feeling on the back of your neck.
0: Yeah. Well, basically, what we've been talking about is b- b- maybe there is something like a bear there. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe there's always a bear. Yeah. There's, there's, exactly. There's a bear there all the time. You just can never see it.
1: Yeah. I, I we recently recently just bought a cabin and uh, the my you know met my new neighbor and he's like yeah he's like you have a little one i eh? I'm like yeah you know she's 16 months or whatever and he's like bears there's bears you got to be careful they walk across your lawn all the time i'm just like god really <laughs> so now i'm like panicking i'm like oh, i just have to go buy a gun which yeah, i'm canadian so you yeah. know me buying a gun is a big deal like it's it's like really ah oh, Like i, I guess it's go. big
0: depends on the part of canada You I know, mean, if you're from alberta yeah fine but if you're from like an urban place like toronto maybe it's a little weirder
1: no i'm, I'm from winnipeg so we're right oh, okay on the, the prairies
0: but oh okay just, okay
1: it's like they have to go take – I have to go take a day course and it takes like six months for the cops to issue the license. I don't know. And, you
0: know and she could be eaten by
1: then. Exactly. <laughs> and not only that, apparently, according to Ritzman, it doesn't matter. I I just have to literally be out there thinking that there's a bear and there's a freaking bear out there because it doesn't matter. Or like worst case scenario, it's a bear but then it doesn't always manifest how you want it to manifest. So it's actually like a pack of coyotes and it's like, right, that's even better. You know? <laughs> Wonderful.
0: Well just don't let her outside. And if you do, put her in exactly. a giant cage.
1: That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, all right.
0: Awesome. Uh, huh?
1: Awesome. Thanks, Greg. This has been a blast.
0: It it has. I mean this is this is why I do this show. People are just like, you know, are you trying to, you know? What are you Are you trying to, you know, solve something or do you want to, you know, create a, a you know, why don't you ask for money and why aren't you on of, you know, <laughs> it's like because I'm trying to answer questions for myself and have, you know, fun uh, conversations with people who I, you know, I, I like and respect and can get stir the ideas up. But that's exactly what happened here. So I thank you so much.
1: Greg, anytime you want me back on, just say the word. I'm here.
0: All right. That's, thank that's you so good much. to hear. has been fun. All right. Um, the, the, you, you may not know this, but the uh, what, what I do with the guests is I let them pick the outro music, and I just pi- pop it up on YouTube and run it. Do you have something you would like me to play for the end of your inf- uh, your interview?
1: Oh my god, you're really putting me on the spot.
0: Well, you, you know what? You can you can I can edit it in later too. If you want, if you just want if, if you're going to be sitting there for ten minutes saying what the hell would. I'll do yeah. that. But if you can think of one right away, you know, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Unless it's something like advocating child abuse or something. But other than no, that, that, I don't <laughs> care.
1: <laughs> um, jeez. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to have to go with The Tragically Hip. Okay. Good Canadian band. Yeah. And the song is Scared. I think it ties in nicely. It's about... um fear manifesting and uh...
0: uh okay here's uh tragically hip with scared from the album apparently day for night from 1994 there you and, go Beauty. Um, yeah uh, mj benias yes i got it right thanks so much for being on the show we'll have you on soon and we will talk um not not necessarily on the show soon too i hope
1: all right greg thank you so much have a good night you too all right bye-bye. bye bye
3: What I do if you're prepared, if I have to, if I make you scared, and you pay me to, that's the deal. Now, here's what I can do for you. And there's a focus screw that can prove. This is all nothing but cold calculation Tests have shown that suspicious or hostile Their lives need not be assured Truth be told They can live a long, long while Tickled to death by their own parts if you make me scared that's what you do If I'm unclear Can I get out of this thing with me and you If you feel scared I'll be confused I gotta say This sounds a little beyond anything I'm used to Vicious few that can grow at the root. This is all another a Merkel
4: calculation.